Hello, and before you get started on this episode of Zapped to the Past, we would just like to give a massive shout out to the following people Andy Marsh, Cole Hutchinson, David Hearn, Sven Osa, 2000DC, Gary Heather, Roger McNally, Joshua Dove, Mark Fletcher, Etienne Wettingfeld, Niall Bullet, Alexander Gosling, Tim TJ Walker, Phil Sowerby, Joshua Kay, Dominic Kendrick, Rune P, Steve Perant, Nick James, Daniel Spreadbury, Peter Price, Richard Davey, Dennis Brakehouse, ALH2 Retro, Liam Carew, Dylan Darch, Trevor Planner, Alistair McMillan, Mark Schutz, Lee Sparkles, Dan Wales, and Gary Wilson. These amazing people have backed our Patreon at the C64 tier, and the support they offer is just awesome. If you want to join them and get a mention in next month's shout out, access to our Discord server, early access to ad free episodes, along with any special episodes we put out and anything else we can think of including the ability to ask us questions for our ask the podcast specials then sign up by the 18th of the month at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past for little more than the price of a pint of beer it helps us keep playing the games so you don't have to and now on with the show Welcome to episode 92 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last time, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 38 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and went all Yosemite Sam with train robbers, learned that three was not the magic number with the three stooges, and cried out for Lucifer in Lee Enfield in the Tournament of Death. This week, we continue our look at the games in June 1988, along with what was also going on in UK albums that month. So, Graham, inform us of the order of events for this week. In this surprisingly larger-than-you-think three-egg omelette of an episode, we guide the unlikely space marines Ricky and Mary through some parasite-filled colonies on a rescue mission in the great arcade conversion of Alien Syndrome, slip into our best kickboxing long johns and then cover our eyes in corn before challenging a mustachioed Frenchman to some fisticuffs in the outright bizarre Win Bobner. I mean, Bob Winner. I mean, Win Bobner. Bob Winner. Winbobner, and then hop into our kangaroo-like spaceship and bounce through the pretty but challenging world of Scout. Did you add some chilli flakes and a pinch of salt and pepper to your omelette? Well, you should have. We also try to run, jump, shoot, avoid, fumble, complete, and inevitably go wrong in the hard-to-control and difficult chock-full-of-baddies world of Grizor, aka Contra, but Grizor. We take to the somewhat shoot-em-up construction kit-looking mazes and missions of the balls with wheels for feet. Yep, it's so they don't roll on their faces in the game world of the Wheelies. We explore the echoey and clunky corridors of a doomed and toxic generation ship as it heads towards Earth and find out what the hell is going on in the semi-precious Pandora before finally grabbing a coffee, sitting down and reading the 78-page manual in full and in-depth with no breaks, popping on your lipstick and going for a lengthy zoom around the lines and grids of Echelon. At least there is a good arcade conversion amongst that lot. 
just win Bobner. Why? Why? Bob winner. Win Bobner. Win Bobner. Who cares? Does it matter now? Lovely. Lovely. Do you know what it is, um, Graham? Right now, by the way, are you aware? It's the new year. This is the new year. Technically, yes. We've time skipped, but yes, it is. People are listening to this in the, in, you know, not the new year, the present year. This isn't the new year now. It's the present year. We're in the old year. We're talking to you from the past. Kind of weird. Oh he's taking, he's rooting the present. He's done. <laughs> We say that every year. So I think we've actually said that joke every year we've done this now. It's got to be done. It's like it's you know, got to be done. It's, it's a Christmas tradition. If we've done it once, it is it's become a it tradition. It is a New Year New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution. I'm going to set them now because I know. Then you know, I bet not actually. It's not New Year. Oh, it's, no. oh I'm all confused. It's been a very <laughs> it's long confused. week. But yeah, I mean, so by this point, Christmas and New Year will have happened for the people listening to this. Whereas it for will. us, it is yet to come. Very strange. Yes. It's a very strange situation to be in it's like being in the movie interstellar again (laughs) (laughs) it is i'm tapping out code (laughs) can you hear that (laughs) Uh, whatever that code would be don't buy the socks for auntie john (laughs) auntie john auntie joan (laughs) i spelled it wrong i got my tapping wrong what kind of black hole did you go through? <laughs> the wrong black hole. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yes, don't get find yourself trapped in a what is it called? That is it tetra tetragon? What's it called? That thing he ends up in. It's some kind of fancy pants mathematical thing, isn't it? Uh, to represent so it's three D space represented in four D. It's just represented in confusion for most people. It just it looked to me like a lot of spaghetti. Time spaghetti. Yeah. But that's just me. I like the film. Don't get me wrong, I love it, but he is trapped in time spaghetti at the end. Alf- alphabeti spaghetti. He is, yeah, and he ends up just you know, repeatedly seeing his daughter in her bedroom. Creepy perv. Don't be doing that. <laughs> Don't be doing that. Pick a different time. Pick a different room. Yeah. Stop spooking her out with ghost stuff. Just write on the wall. It's me. <laughs> it's dad. Clean your room. What's the best way I can communicate with my daughter at a time? Morse code. That's that. She'll know that. She'll know Morse code. I trap it into a watch. The watch she threw against the wall. Just tell her. Write it. I am your dad. Write it in big letters on the wall in dust. Yeah. Which is also a good job she doesn't clean a room, I suppose. Otherwise, yes. it would have been all moot. It's a good job she keeps that room exactly as it was, and so does her brother for all 60 years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. See? Yes. It's, it's, great. it's a very it's uh, very carefully laid plot. So, yes, um, uh, I've ruined that now. I'm not going to watch it anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't if I were you. It sounds rubbish. I like the soundtrack, though. Uh, it's a lot of that if I seem to remember <laughs> <laughs> that's not the same do you know Hans Zimmer's described it as his best work oh, and right. I'm pretty sure it does not go uh. <laughs> I think it should do there now it's an old man playing the harmonica version of it uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow well, so accurate it's, Hans it's Zimmer got... frame <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's, um, play, anyway. he's playing his old Zimmer frame. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, get some stuff out of the way. It is the new year. If you wish to yes, support us year. before we get into our games, you can do that by going over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash up to the past. Um, and you can chuck us a few quid either tier. It's all good. If you want to get onto our Discord, you've got to go into the next one. You'll have also listened to our Ask the Podcast by now as well, probably, hopefully, if you have. That came out as a little Christmas bonus present. Hope you enjoyed that. If you wish to get in on that action and you have some burning questions you wish us to answer on the next one mm. when we you know we do that in interstellar time, that might be three millennia down the line. <laughs> we'll come back and do it in Morse code in your dust. Well, for <laughs> us, we'll be perfectly bedroom. normal. Everyone else will have aged set 20 or 30 years. <laughs> so the questions won't seem relevant. They'll be like, what? What did I ask again? What was it about? <laughs> what was it? Who are these? Why, why, why do they, they even want to know dust? what socks they wore? I can't remember the context. <laughs> 
so if you want to get in on that time travel action, then obviously go and join our uh, Patreon at the, uh, the C64 level, and you can Do get it. access to our Discord, and then you can ask us stuff, and you can get access to the podcast early, ad-free, and so it's all good, and it helps Loads us out. of good stuff going on in that. Our Patreon channels are incredible mm. in our Discord. Loads of amazing stuff going on there. You even get to chat to some of the special guests. It's all you good. do. You do, if you want to. Yeah, not many people do, to be fair. That won't last, actually, but enjoy it while it's there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You'll soon realise why it's called Happy Gary. <laughs> if you haven't already, when you listen to this, because it's in the future. Did I say that? Right, enough. Yes. Should we get on with some games? Yes, please. All right, let's move into our first game. And this was a Sizzler, 90%. It's a full price one. It is uh, $9.99. It is Alien Syndrome. Okay, so there's been a catastrophic accident in an experimental genetic lab. And let me tell you, <laughs> those are the worst places to have catastrophic accidents. <laughs> That's the last thing we wanted to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, but by our nuclear power plants, as we found out the other month, they're the, wor- they're the, yeah. they're the most worst. Genetic Experimental genetic labs are a close second, probably. Yeah, don't. Don't drop the you know the glass jar in those <laughs> no, rooms. Don't don't walk up beside someone and sort of thing with a full pay, you know a crisp bag blown up and go pop <laughs> behind them. It can only end in genetic nightmares. Yet are those two things supposed to be growing at that rate? Well, they weren't. <laughs> well, but you made me jump. <laughs> and I injected oh, well. too many nanites into it. Anyway, genetic mutants are running amok, putting the scientists that were working there at risk of death itself. Time to send in the veteran alien exterminators, Ricky and Mary, to sort this shit out. Ricky and Mary. <laughs> Their names are all kinds of wrong, aren't they? But okay. Ricky's Ricky, maybe. But... Once they were called in uh, that quartet, they are all kind of strange names. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. So we're going to send Ricky and Mary to sort this shit out. And don't tell them that we also activated the station's self-destruct sequences as well. To make sure that this doesn't spread to the rest of the universe. So that's the plot. This is what this is. This is a direct conversion from the 1987 arcade game by Sega. And uh, the C64 version was released by The Edge in the UK and I think Mindscape in the US. Um, it was coded by Tim Rogers with visuals by Darren Stubbington and music by Jerome Red Kimmel. Um, Tim Rogers did War, as did Darren Stubbington. That's the other thing we've seen them do. Oh, I wonder what they did. Yeah, they did that. So, yeah, I couldn't really find out much about the creation of the game itself, the arcade version. So there's not a lot to say about it. It's a Sega game. It was probably done by one of their in-house teams. I don't know who, whether it's one of their AM2, AM3, AM4, whatever. I don't know. Um, Maybe someone can let us know. I'm not sure. It was ported to just about everything, though. Uh, There's versions on the Spectrum, the Amiga, the Atari ST, so on. If you want a good laugh, though... Go look at the Amstrad version. <laughs> we don't normally knock other versions because sometimes we say they're better, but the uh, Amstrad version of this is, uh, oh my! No, it's not. It's not what you call great, is it? <laughs> Good. It's, it's, it's a, no. Something went wrong. <laughs> yes, <laughs> badly on the Spectrum versions. Okay, it looks like it's a Spectrum version of this, but that's okay. But the Amstrad version, ooh, ooh. pity, pity, pity the poor yeah. Amstrad owners. Alan Sugar's well mad about it. He still is. <laughs> so he's emailing on his uh, telephone. <laughs> The developers get that bloody game sorted out it's cramming two things together um <laughs> anyway to get some of the basics out of the way this is a gauntlet type inspired game that sees you in one or two player mode running around six space stations um with an end boss on the last seventh one the sort of that's not much of a space station that one it's just more of a one area place but the rest of them you've got six space stations to go through you're shooting aliens and you are rescuing scientists when the game loads you get a decent loading screen which i thought 
Um, and then the title screen appears, which, like Pac-Land, is an excellent version of the arcade original, complete with the thump of the logo um, on time with the music playing. So it's like you've got this alien syndrome, you're sort of blobby writing in the end of syndrome. So the OME is kind of sort of like, it's like a tail, it's like an alien tail, and it's patting, going doom with the music really nice very nice really good stuff the way all the various blocks of levels slide on it's exactly like the arcade game to get the different various levels all sliding on it looks very nice the music is excellent and indeed if you let it play there seems to be two tunes to listen to as well um, i'm not sure if it's one and then sags into the second or whether it's just thingy but it does sound like two different tunes and you've got a shorter intro one and then a longer second one if you let it just sort of sit and play out which is good. So excellent work there from Mr. Kimmel from Red himself. If you press the fire button, it brings up the character select screen. You can press either, you know, uh, port one or port two because you can play this one or two player. And just like the arcade game, uh, you know, you can play it one or two player. The character select screen uh, is a game exactly like the arcade version. Um, you've got Ricky and Mary. Base, but half the screen is taken up with portraits of Ricky and half the screen is taken up with small portraits of Mary with the one in the middle being the flashing one, which is what, what where you pick. It's exactly, exactly like the arcade version. Um, once chosen, you get the mission text, again, in the same font, massive font that you got in the arcade, outlining what to do, which is rescue your comrades, basically. Then you get a screen with the seven spaceships on that you'll be going through, the top one being the round, labeled as round one. So that's where you start, and off you go. All this is exactly, it's incredible, really. I mean, they've really looked at the arcade game, and they've just replicated it in C64 vision, which is great. I mean, it looks good. It looks nice. All this is really, you know, you feel like you're playing the arcade version. So this is good stuff so far. It's a multi-load game. Um, like we've seen with a lot of the uh, sort of uh, arcade conversions recently. So this is another one. Um, so every level and boss encounter loads separately. But luckily, this is a disc version that we played. And it's got a speedy disc loader on it as well. So you're pretty quickly into the action. It's only a few seconds and you, the level's loaded up and off you go. Yes. So the gap's between play and not that bad. So yeah, to note here that this has been a 60C64 version of the arcade. And by that, I mean everything from the arcade has been here is designed exactly the same. Title screen, carrots like Mission Brief, Spaceships. It's just like the arcade game. Um, it's really impressive. This is as close as you could get, really, to the arcade game on the C64. You know, somebody's really looked at it and done the job. However, we saw that with Gunsmoke, to some degree, cause, you know, because all the front end of Gunsmoke was pretty good. The big title, you know, the big title screens, the pictures, the portraits. It means nothing. So let, let's let's get into the game anyway. When the first level loads, we're straight into the action. It misses the speech. It's the first thing it misses. There's a bit of speech in the arcade telling us the self-destruct has been set. It's yeah, it's just go. You just start. It's not a big loss, so who cares? What you're looking at here, the main bulk of the screen, it's taken up with the action. Um, the beige of the arcade has been replaced with Commodore Blue. Um, and this is a good choice, I thought. You know, they've looked at it and they've made a good choice. It'd been easy to fall back on C64 Brown. We know it would have been. We've seen it before. and But that would have been bad. This looks way more sci-fi and effective. The blue... It looks good. Nice use of graphics and color on this. The view is top down and from slightly angled from the back. So like kind of like gauntlets, a gauntlets type view. Um, so you can see the walls that are sort of facing downwards and you need to see them as well because on those walls, you'll see certain things that you can interact with. The UI at the top, full of info and they've put it all at the top rather than sort of spreading it around the screen like in the arcade. It gives you the lives and score for each player on the right and left the number of scientists left to rescue, the round number, and the timer before everything goes boom. From here, it's really very similar to the arcade game itself. You move and shoot in eight directions, and everything is controlled by the joystick. There's no keys in this. It's just move and shoot. Movement is snappy, and shooting your weapon, which to start with is a rifle, is nice and fast. As many bullets as you can, can tap the fire button, so thank God for that. It's not just one bullet on screen at a time. This is good. You move about the level, and simply walking into anything is enough to activate it. There are 16 scientists to rescue, and unlike the arcade variant, you have to get them all before the exit opens, allowing you access to the boss of each ship. 
in the arcade variant, you can just rescue about 10 of them, I think, 10 or 11. And it said, get to the exit. So you can leg it out so you didn't have to rescue them all. You did if you wanted all the, you know, the bonus points. But here, you've got to get them all. And obviously, don't forget, you've got a time limit counting down. So it's a bit trickier. This is harder than the arcade, I found. As you wonder about slimy aliens that do a good job of approximating those in the arcade, bother you by stalking you and taking pot shots at you. They're sort of glob- globby. They're like maggots, like fat maggots wandering about. And they're actually quite decent graphics. They're, they're nice animation, smooth. They move fast. They're annoying. Good, you know, they like the arcade versions, which are a bit more glossy and you know, they're graphically a bit better, but these are good variants. Then you got to avoid them, um, and avoid the pot shots, or you lose one of your four lives. If you lose all four, it's back to the title screen. Um, the layout of the levels, uh, at least the first one, because I only got to the second one once because it's hard. This game, um, it's the same as the arcade, even down to the pickups, power ups, and map places. Uh, the walls have certain points in them, and walking into them activates them. So there's, you might see the word, a big word say map just on the wall. If you walk up to that, it bring, it's really cool. It brings up like a small mini map of the level in the bottom corner, I think it is. And it's got the remaining scientist location flashing away on it. It's really handy. Good little touch. You don't give you, and it's not there all the time. You just got to go and grab it, right? How many have got left? Where are they? A little flash and you go, okay, right, and go find them. There are also question marks, and these give bonus points. Now, it's slightly different from the arcade. And a couple of them in the arcade will give you these little um, sort of follower droid things, which will fire behind you. They're missing from this version. So, you know, that's one thing that is missing, but it's not that much of a pain in the ass. It's just one little thing. So, yeah, the bonus points, just give you bonus points. And finally, there are weapon upgrades that are marked with a letter or two. So if you see something that just says B, then that is for bombs. And if you fire them, they arc and land. And they're only only blowing up those aliens in the radius of the sort of explosion. Don't get them. I found them a pain to use. L is for laser. Get that. It's the best one. A fast shooting blaster that takes out everything in its path. F is for flamethrower. Close range, close range jet of flames. You can hold the fire button down or keep pressing the fire button and it'll just keep that going constantly so you can just spin around and take everything out. But it's a bit limited because you've got to let things get close up and they'll probably have shot at you by that point. And finally, there's FB. FB is for fireballs and they can be shot right across the screen. You fire them right across and that's cool. So again, like the laser, but it's not quite as fast and you can't quite fire as many of them. So, you know, up to you. You, whichever you find, you can swap. As soon as you walk up to them, it just swaps automatically. There's no button presses and no thing. You have one active at a time off you go you want to find these as well they make taking on the bosses that await you way easier or at least doable i say easier i say approachable and doable so the bosses again are a separate load and again they are decent takes on their arcade counterparts with all manner of weird and odd creatures with well-considered patterns to try and navigate they have multiple stages as well and they all need to be shot in their big old weak spot which appears only briefly like the first one's this you get to the first one it's like this big sack with a head and a, and a sort of other growth of an arm sort of hanging off it and then it's like this sack will it's like a bag and it'll open and fire shots at you and only when that bag is open kind of grim all this isn't it it's a human it's an you know it's an organism Blah. and so only when that is open can you blast at that open open sack and then once you've shot all that enough times it'll start to flash then it'll explode um and then the sort of head part will sort of try and home in on you and you can only shoot it when it's homing in on you it's really hard Precious. yeah it's really very hard but it's good all the words you said in the last five minutes are kind of got a double entendre to every single part <laughs> shoot him in the sack it got really hard goodness <laughs> me absolutely at least it went scatological um no no gotta avoid them gotta avoid that if you beat the boss good luck because it's even the even level one is hard it's on to the next tougher ship and so on and so forth so it's the same setup there's just different aliens the second load second aliens which is where i got up to because this is a hard game they're more alien-esque they're, they're, this is geiger inspired I mean, let's go down this is geiger inspired you know james cameron aliens inspired it's taking you know where's its homages on its sleeve but that's no bad thing you're going to riff on something riff on something like that 
I mean, the aliens in the second level are just the aliens, <laughs> which are kind of, you know, that's what they are, but it is what it is. Yeah. So all this, like I said, it can be played one or two players. There's no loss of speed or detail. The screen keeps you both on the same, uh, keeping you both on screen at the same time. Um, and all told, this is a really, really excellent conversion and certainly sits among the best we've seen. Obviously, they were never going to get it looking exactly like the arcade parent. But the visuals are very good, C64 versions of them, and the speed is there, mostly. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. <laughs> there are some sticking points to that, though, that are worth mentioning. You can get stuck to the walls. That's a bit of a pain in the ass. You don't in the arcade. So grabbing power-ups and going through doors that, that, uh, that also take way too long to open in this version. They're really quick and snappy in the arcade version. Here, you have to stood right in front of them for like what seems like just a bit too long. It's like a second or two before they open. And at that point, Aliens are just coming at you and you just can get killed quite easily. And you get stuck on them a little bit. Because you can see you get stuck on you, you try to navigate away from them. Um, and that's a problem because you've got to walk right up to the wall to activate the things, then come down at an angle. You can't just sort of walk to the right or left. You just won't move. So it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but don't get stuck on the walls. And that leads to the next bit. The aliens are far more vicious than their arcade counterparts. The starting aliens in the arcade, they just kind of wobble about a bit and they don't, they're not really that much of a challenge because it's just easing you in. We don't get to shooting ones for some time and they're clearly color-coded here, they're straight after you and firing at you, and these bullets will not die until they hit the edge of the screen. So running away, running away from them down a narrow corridor can be problematic. And the color-coded, doesn't matter, they'll all shoot you, which is not the same as the arcade. Similarly, when you respawn after dying, although you are invulnerable for a short time, and that's good, the aliens will have homed in on your dead body where you start again, and they can't be shot whilst they're on top of you. So it, this leads to situations where you're kind of running away but can't quite get far enough to turn around and shoot them before your invulnerability wears off and you die again because other aliens are piling on you from all directions and that can be a pain as well. The final thing is, and this was mentioned in the uh, Zap review as well, is the scrolling. So it kind of uses push scrolling and so the arcade kept you in the centre because like Gauntlet keeps you in the centre but in this version, it's slower. It's slow. It scrolls slower than you. So it leads to this staccato playing style where you have to constantly move and stop, move and stop, move and stop to let the scrolling sort of catch up. Because if you just keep running, you'll get too close to the edge of the screen and obviously aliens spawn off the screen. They'll just come on and kill you and, or they'll shoot you and that's a pain in the ass. So there's this weird, like, this weird stop-start motion which you have to kind of just get used to. And for me, that's the biggest issue with this game. As everything else, even the more vicious enemies, I think they'd be doable if the scrolling kept up with you and kept you in the center of the screen because you wouldn't get caught off guard quite so often. You'd be able to deal with them because be, you'd see them in, with a, enough space. So uh, if you can get used to that, though, so it's all right. Because so it's, it's not a deal breaker, but it's just an odd thing. I can only think it's a technical thing. I, there's either something they couldn't get it scrolling fast enough or something. I don't know. Because it is so apparent and it's such an annoyance. I don't know how it got through or why it was missed. I don't get it. And it's a shame. Because the rest of this is excellent, and so let's not get in the way, let's not get let that get in the way of the rest. This is as close to the arcade version as you could probably get on the C sixty four. Everything that I could see is here. The bot, even the bosses, and even the final boss as well. And I did have a quick flick through and looked at it on YouTube. There's a fully animated and decent end sequence as well. Should you make it through, where they, where Ricky and Mary have a hug in front of you know in a space uh, on some kind of space station in front of the Earth, and it's like, oh, we've defeated the aliens, but they'll be back again at some point. And it's like, oh, all that's all in there. It's all good. I didn't get. I did try. I'd let, I booted into two players. I, I started start one and tried moving them about a bit. Obviously, I couldn't play it because I'm too much but i think i'd certainly like to try this out as i feel it'd be more approachable 
a difficult and the difficulty would not be so insurmountable if two of you were going at it, blasting in different directions and playing it through that way. I think this is a game that, again, slightly tone tweak sorry um for two players it's doable in one player because obviously somebody's done it on youtube and you can watch that because of course you can um and i did get to the second level so with a bit of a perseverance you can get into it but i think with two players this would be ace this is way better than i was expecting i never played it back then not the c64 version i played loads of the arcade version i've never played the c64 version because uh, i really like the arcade consider me really pleasantly surprised price was this certainly deserves its sizzler that's for sure i really had a blast with this was playing it for quite a while just that scrolling don't need to fix that ace game what did you think? It's a good little action shoot with this. Like you said, kind of a more minimal gauntlet in a weird way, um, but with that nice sci-fi setting, which I think it all worked. I mean, I think it was fast and it played well. The scrolling, obviously, aside, and I'm not going to reiterate the things that you've mentioned in terms of the, I wouldn't call them bugs. They were just kind of things that hold it back a little. Um, because I've made a note of the exact same thing. I like the sense of production this had. It felt like a, it felt like a solid produced yeah. game. Big, bold yeah. titles, big, bold graphics. Mm-hmm. decent music, all came together. It felt like you were getting into something quite nice in the way that Gauntlet never did on the C64. It had, it tried that yes. little bit, but it didn't follow through with it. There's, and I didn't realise, I mean, I've not played Alien Syndrome a lot in the arcade at all. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe a handful of times, maybe not even that. I didn't realise how much of an influence this game was on Alien Breed on the Amiga, which was a game that I did play a lot of. Oh, yeah, definitely, um, yeah. So there's a whole, you know, it's, there's a whole, I mean, I know it's, 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 the view is slightly different, but there's so much of... Um, Alien Syndrome and Alien Breed that I found myself really quite liking this um, because I liked Alien Breed a lot so it sort of fell into a nice territory there's a nice style to this obviously like I said I didn't have that much experience with the arcade so I kind of came with this fresh now the funny thing was I had so many versions of this on the C64 back in the day but I always got this on with a corrupted disc it was like a curse this game (laughs) I always got it with like a there was a dint in the disc or something had happened to it every single time I got this through and one various contacts or another, there was always something wrong with it. It was just a jinx. So this is really the first proper time I've actually played it outside of the, you know, two minutes before the disc went wrong or something started clacking or, that, or the disc drive started making that noise that it did, you know, noise that it would do. So it was nice to play it and actually get sort of into it. I imagine in two player, this is probably a really good game. And um, mm. one player, like you said, I felt a bit overwhelmed and a bit underpowered, actually, a little bit. Um, and it is rock hard. <laughs> but that said... I thought this was good. Simple missions, nice gameplay. You could argue it's repetitive, but I don't think you can really. There's enough variety here with the different levels of the different the baddies. But I, I thought this looked really good. It looked the part. Mm. Um, good stuff. Yeah. I really liked it. Definitely worthy of its 90%, maybe maybe even a tad higher. Yep. The music is essentially, is essentially really good as well. Um, just a nod to Red uh, Kimmel there, Jerome, Jerome Kimmel. Really nicely sort of nice piece of music music that goes with it. It's all good. Uh, really surprised me, actually. I was dreading it, I have to be honest, because I couldn't remember much about it and I'd never seen a fully working one. And that was probably the last time I played the C64 version for the minute that it worked. So I didn't mm. have very good memories of it because it was always that bloody alien syndrome. It's never worked. <laughs> finally, finally it worked. And I think I never saw it as well because, I, like I said, I wasn't buying games at this point. I'd moved out of no. really buying stuff. So I didn't have a disk drive. And so I would have never got it from anywhere, anybody off. No. You know, I would have just played, and I did play quite a lot of the arcade version. I would always pump some money into the arcade version because I like the style of it and the gooiness yeah. and the, the gloopiness of the alien Yeah, the stuff. sprites a, are good in this. I mean, it's good graphics in this. Good sprite work. Mm, very um, good. I, I thought it was good. I genuinely thought this was, it really surprised me. It's definitely one I'd go back to. One of the great arcade conversions on the C64 because it really does feel like it has the production of the arcade in there. Mm. Um 
you just obviously it's an 8-bit machine but even that there's little parts of this that are really nice scrolling thing aside but i, I kind of got used to that in a weird way um, but still i enjoyed it and it's a good little game definitely go and play it if you get a moment absolutely yeah there you go alien syndrome we like yeah it's a good one to start with yeah. um long may it continue long may that trend yes continue yes i agree all the way <laughs> it's new year let's have a new motto that all games will yes. be of the same caliber <laughs> yes <laughs> all right let's move on into our next one Graham, tell us about Win Bobner. <laughs> oh, golly, Bob this. Winner. Blimey, Bob Winner. 10 quid. Um, this is just outside of the zone of dog egg, which is the less than 10% bracket that getting zapped. This was 12%. I don't quite know how it got that. I'll start, you know, let's just start as we mean to go on here. This is a French game, I think, or French design, French uh-huh. made. The company that produced it was called, um, I think, Lauriciel. Now, if it was L'Oreal, this would definitely not be bloody worth it, I can tell you. <laughs> but it's Lauriciel, I think, or Loris. I don't, I'm not, that's my French. I'm not great at pronouncing things like that. That's probably what it is. If you don't understand that, go look at it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the creator was B. Um, Aurore, and the graphics are B. Mason, and the music is by M.W. So, and everything else is by B. Afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this is a very odd fighting game. <laughs> really weird. You are either Android Zero or Bob. You decide. Uh, and in the game, you're going to walk through the streets of Paris, London, and New York on some kind of walking, fighting tour. The plan is to reach a temple at some point in some place. Details are pretty sparse about that. Even in the Zap review, it just kind of says, yeah, there's just some temple he's got to find. I couldn't, I did find some instructions for this, by the way. They are very weird. And it's not <laughs> something you can really read out because it's kind of a comic with a few sort of captions. So I'm not going to just, you know, I'm not going to describe the comic and read it out. I'll put the notes in the show notes. Um, just to make sure that you know that I've read the instructions because I hate for you to think that we review these games without reading them. That'd be a tragic waste of everyone's time, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be, so, yeah. Anyway. So the instructions that I did find are obscure to say, even now, even by obscure standards, those are weird. So with Bob, uh, sorry, Android One, um, seemingly morphing into and fighting kickboxing mustachioed Frenchmen, <laughs> boxing <laughs> yeah. English folk, and at some point having some kind of cowboy shootout, all at the hands of something called the Other One. That's that's then that's me that's me describing the comic that's in the instructions that and that's Ugh. what I could make from that. Yeah. In Zap, they state that the other one has sent an army of French kickboxers, <laughs> etc., <laughs> to thwart Bob's progress. In the manual, these are accompanied by giant wasps, sinking quicksand, and also in the game there are barrels and other stuff that just stuff. <laughs> stuff. So you're a kind of android french wandering fighter looking to fight internationally by wandering the streets i don't it doesn't make much sense it doesn't the game starts with a kind of weird title screen and music which feels more like a hercule poirot game like a french uh detective game the music that comes on and a non-so-clever image as you've rightly pointed out with a very confusing logo (laughs) win bobner (laughs) win bobner (laughs) <laughs> uh, just, just yeah we'll, we'll post a link to it you make it that what you will i'm not going to go to but yeah you, and you can never go back to the screen anyway so you once you've seen it you've seen it because i could never find my way back no um so you press the space bar as instructed and you're into the game on the left is your player bob or android one whatever you are and on the right sometimes maybe an opponent or sometimes an object at the start you can only walk jump and kick out i don't i don't know it's the kind of a kick it doesn't do any damage though <laughs> don't do anything it just got a, it's like a 
peh kind of kick. Like, peh. I spent ages peh in this guy that was just blatantly kicking me in the face. Yeah, so he kicked me so in the face. I sank it down. I got up and I'd be like, peh, 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 peh. Kicking the face. Oh, I'm down again. Bow, go, <laughs> peh, peh, peh. So until I realized that you need to pick up objects to enable you to fight. Oh, um, right, it I wasn't did, immediately obvious. So anyway, I, I finally I walked to the, because it's, it's a flick screen walking thing. Um, so I walked to the right and there was a pair of shoes on the floor. So the first thing I did was peh and kicked them by accident. So I peh them across the floor because you can kick the, the little shoes. So I kicked the oh, shoes okay. for some reason. Jumped really awkwardly because the controls are really weird for this. Jumped really awkwardly past the mustachioed French kickboxer guy that was in his long johns kind of giving me the I'll put up your dukes. I'm like, what, what is this? Yep. Picked up the shoe. And then from then I could press space bar and I could then imitate the fighting style of the opponent that was fighting. Oh. So once I pressed the space bar, I could then I went into fight mode. So then I could do round kicks, side kicks, and another couple of kicks. Very, all very kicky. So I was obviously in kickboxing mode. Um, and then you kind of just slug it out with the the thing that's on there. He dis- you kick him down and he disappears and then that's it. And I thought, okay. So for a while I thought, right, I'm just, I need to sort of revise the instructions, see what I'm doing. At this point, I was just stood after, in the game, just stood there. Nothing happened. Nope. Pretty weird. Anyway, then I went to the next screen and immediately got stung by a deadly wasp and died almost instantly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, okay, that, that happened. And then when I respawned, I got run over by a barrel straight away from behind. I was like, oh, okay, so that's going to happen, is it? So you got nine lives, I think, in this. Although it's just, it's all weird, this. Anyway, I'm, I'm trying to describe it as best I can. So I don't really know what the idea of the game is other than to find this temple. I don't know how you do that. All I was doing was kind of going through this flick screen, fighting various opponents, jumping over the occasional barrel, but the controls are really weird. So, because you've got controls without the fire button pressed and controls with the fire button pressed, but you've also got fight mode and non-fight mode. So if you're in non-fight mode and you press the wrong combination, he sort of does this weird hop, skippy jump. And just, oh, it's just, you find you'll do the wrong move at the wrong time is what I'm saying, because it's next to impossible not to do the right move at the right time. So once you've figured out that you need to pick up objects to fight, to assume the fight style of the, I guess the Android you're facing, I don't know what really it is. You can then sort of get into the game. So you then you're low kicking, spin kicking, you're dealing with the opponents, and that's kind of it. If you just you'll end up getting hit by I got I think I got hit by a rock, or it could have been an onion. I don't know. <laughs> Who I just I was just walking along, I just beaten up a Frenchman in his underpants, and then I got hit by an onion and I was killed. I was like, what? I don't get it. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be kind and trying to figure it out as I'm going. And it's just fighting me all the way, really. And then when I, on occasion, then I started the game again and just died instantly because I got hit. In, first thing I got was killed by a wasp immediately. Just went this is dead. Yep. I couldn't avoid it. I didn't. I was like, I didn't have the reaction times. Nor does the game anyway. So that's how the game plays out, and that is as much story as you're going to get from this. You know. So I don't. I can't you know, put any more into that. Graphics. I don't. <laughs> I don't know really how you describe them. It's some kind of attempt at an age style, I think. Lots of yellow, black, browns, and pink, light reds. It's really weird. There are some kind of landmarks in the background to represent where you are. So at one point, I was in front of the, I think it was the Eiffel Tower, I think. And then at one point, it was the House of Parliament. I'm not sure how I went from one screen to the next. That qu- I don't know. The map's all over the shop. So it's kind of those backgrounds-ish. Your sprites and the enemies of kind of fidget and jerk across the screen really awkwardly they're kind of hey they're kind of twitchy and a bit fidgety and like you got norman collier syndrome <laughs> yeah it's just like, hey what are you hey you hey, hey. It's a, i imagine if they made that sentence hey you come hey you'll come in come back hey 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 really weird it's like a bit like, like a reeves um, and mortimer fighter <laughs> yeah yeah very much like it's this could be reeves and mortimer version of you know kung fu master couldn't it um <laughs> yeah. It could easily be, so they kind of jerk and fidget across the screen really awkwardly. It's not pleasant on the eye. 
the animations are all spasmodic and jerky and juddery and he, he flick kicks you in the face and you're like, right, I'm going to tap, 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 tap you in the ankle for no damage and then I'm just going to kick you in the stomach. It doesn't really feel like a very good experience at all. It doesn't feel like a fun fighting game. The controls are really awkward and off. Nothing feels like there's any point to it anyway. And you're playing everything through mostly Browno vision. It's like someone's wiped the bottom on the screen <laughs> and... You know, this is this is the you know this, the skid mark graphics. This is this is <laughs> this is the backgrounds look like kind of the stains you get in the toilet after a particularly long dump. I'm sorry, I'm going all scatological. I didn't <laughs> intend for that to happen. Particularly corn coloured, I thought. <laughs> yes, corn. Yeah, yeah, yes. Just not nice. Not nice at all. Um, so there is a lot of yellow in this game. Uh, too much yellow, really. Way too much. Um, the main display window is, like say, it's like the flick screen parts of the game. Your man-shaped sprite, I guess you'd call it that, seemingly dressed in long johns, from what I could tell. There's a limited UI at the bottom for your lives, your life percentage for you and the opponent, and a space for your collected objects, I guess. It's not good, this. How anyone <laughs> could pay for this is beyond me. I mean, it, it's a bloody tragedy of a thing, isn't it? This I mean, cl- Clearly, the design and visual expectations of the designers or graphics people, they must have amounted to more than what they what this came to be. I mean, it looks really horrible. This is, if you if you want this, a similar experience, find a really bright, colourful 4K TV screen with the most amazing, vibrant colour and just pour a, a, a can of corn, you know, corn over your eyes, like tinned corn. <laughs> Just pour it over your face. Just, you know, <laughs> corn on the cob. Or just, shove, just shove corn on the cobs in your eyes. That's <laughs> the best way I could describe it. This is a, this game has been corned, and not in a good way. Yeah, it's a very good way to be corned. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever want to be corned. This is, this is, this is, this what is not good. What happened to him? He got corned. He got well corned. Um, so it just looks horrible, if, and it doesn't play out as a fighting game, does it? Because it's, it's no, not really. I, it's I, I mean, look... Um, there's some really odd choices in this game. Why start a fighting game with no ability to fight whatsoever? Apart from knee, knee shin, shin kick. <laughs> Apart from a shin, a shin tap. Hey, tap, 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 tap. I don't, why <laughs> do that? Stop me, tap, tap, tap. Imagine uh, if someone was doing that to you in a pub. You'd be like, tap, <laughs> just kicking you on the shin. What are you doing? <laughs> kick, kick, kick. What? Stop it. Kick, kick, kick. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. Look, there's some French kickboxers over there, <laughs> and they're, 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 they're well up for that. Just not me. Not me, though. I don't. I don't get it. Why do that? Why are the moves so difficult to do and some of the enemies completely unavoidable anyway? This is available in other formats too, by the look of it. Yeah, it's so, everything. Because the well. confusing instructions, there's even an IBM version of this with some kind of colour palette control just for extra corno vision. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know if this solved many units in the UK. I hope not. It's a tragic and horrible entry into the walking fighting canon of games and a hindrance to your higher brain functions if you want to try and figure out what the hell it's about. Stick to your saggy as Jimbo if you want a walking fighting game and let's never speak of this horror again. Yeah. Apart from your Gnu now. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me you love this corn oh, game. Christ, no. If we've not played Lee Enfield <laughs> last time, then this mess of a horror might be the worst thing this month. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Horrible fuzzy graphics might mask a nightmare of a flick screen or something, where death at the hands of randomly thrown knives or bees is only a heartbeat away. Terrible controls lead to Bob ending up in quicksand more often than I would like to say. What the hell was going on with the C64 in France? I don't know. It's like these games were sent sent out as some kind of weaponry to turn us all away from computer games or something. I can't understand what this was all about. It's £10 for this. Why is my only attack... To kick someone in the shins. This <laughs> makes no sense. And why am I being bothered by these people on the banks of the Seine in front of the Eiffel Tower? C'est la merde. <laughs> yes, yes. This was awful. This was dreadful. I mean, yeah, if we've said that, you know, that 
bloody worst game of the year is 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 a hot competition oh, for this year. Goodness me, it's going um, to be But we've got another entry here. This is dreadful. I just want to read out, by the way, you did link to the manual. I'm just going to read out the first thing in the manual, which which is a picture of what I presume is Win Bobner at the bottom in front of some kind of um, <laughs> factory. And, and the, this is what it says on this page. This is the only bit of text. I'm just going to read this for you. It says dot, dot, dot. After and and see how many what you make of this dot dot dot. After having pressed the P key of his internal computer, Bob Winner, Android number zero, can at last breathe again. Right? How do you press an internal key? <laughs> why can an do Android? Do you really want an answer to that? <laughs> why can an Android breathe? <laughs> Is he Bob Winner or Android number two? Who called him Bob Winner? I'm thinking there may be a translation issue. <laughs> And it goes, the next one is still sat there. He goes, the New York, the docks are deserted. Or are they? No, the other one was there. What is Told this? Told you. Told you. <laughs> the other one what? <laughs> the other, well, the other one, one of the men sent to destroy him. One of the men. So he's not the other uh, one. He's one of the others. Because there's uh, more than one. I'm thinking translation problems, surely. Because, oh, I mean, I know a few French people and they don't speak like crazy. They speak like normal. He knew them well now, them and their devious devices, the giant wasps, the sinking quicksand. That's not a device. And the barrels aren't mentioned. Or the Quick, onions. Quicksand is, you know, quicksand's not a device. Why is there quicksand on the banks of the Seine? <laughs> Paris is not known for its quicksand issues. <laughs> Absolutely. No. All these French people just disappearing. Oh, we've lost another one to the quicksand. Uh, hey. this, this bloody <laughs> sand is everywhere. <laughs> The bloody government, what are you doing? You sorted the potholes, you filled them with quicksand. <laughs> Stupid government. <laughs> Nil pois. Nil pois. Nil pois, I say. Ridiculous. This is one of the stupidest things I've read. Um, yeah. And I've been on safari. Oh, Stupid. Lord. Just, yep. uh, we will post that in the show notes so you can you can because it's there's an entire comic strip that goes with that. <laughs> it's, the picture of the Frenchman is ace. And <laughs> the then, end, and then at the end, at the end of that comic strip, he's a cowboy having a shootout. I'm yeah, like, and the blocky Eng, the blocky English boxer guy, <laughs> and the Englishman with his solid boxing gloves. <laughs> what are you talking about? But he had no. knocked them out and crushed them two lives for two keys. <laughs> what are you gibberish? talking about? <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, no. re- yeah, crap. Earlier, uh, Bob Winner, Win Bobner. <laughs> yeah, Win Bobner. Last this season's Bob Loser. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's more like Bogner. <laughs> Bloody rubbish! Oh, rubbish. Let's move along. We've got one more this half. This section. Christ. Let's hope it gets better. Uh, and the next one is a budget game. Oh, this is Scout. 48%. It's Mastertronic. Budget auto-scrolling shooter, in fact. It's here in the form of Scout. Right, I said Mastertronic. It was developed by Reptilia Design. The only thing they did that I could find under that name. It was coded by Mick Jones. It said Mick Jones. Mm. <laughs> he works for Mick Jones. Working for him on visuals were Ian and Michael Jones and Robert Whittaker. Actually, no, Michael Jones and Mick Jones. I'm guessing they're the same people. That's Ian and Mick. Ian and Mick. All right. Demo team, Ian and Mick. Oh, is that what this is? Yeah. All oh, right, okay. Rob Whitaker did the... Uh, who's Rob Whitaker? Is he Dave's it's brother? Similar to Dave Whitaker. S- similar. It's a <laughs> similoid. He's the other one. 
Rob Whitaker and Dave Whitaker are never allowed to be in the same room because there's a some kind of Whitaker based explosion. <laughs> True, it's like the uh, end to a time cop. <laughs> this turned into some Whitaker based mass, amorphous yeah. mass. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, no, Rob Whitaker didn't do music anyway. He's not Rob Whitaker. He did graphics. Most striking, right, Jerome Tell did the music. <laughs> so right. Jerome well, Tell, sorry, Jerome Tell did the music. Uh, so it's Maniacs and Noise Pieces. I hope you like it, though, because it's all you're going to hear um, from yes. the moment this game loads. No sound effects, just that music. So there you go. Uh, anyway, the story to this consists of you hyperspacing about the galaxy for reasons. We don't know why. You're just hyperspacing about. Hyperspacing here. Who doesn't Hyperspacing do that? there. Eh, yeah. It's always been okay, though, until now, <laughs> when your ship has, for some inexplicable reason, separated into eight parts across eight, across eight different too planets. Too much hyperspacing. Way too much hyperspacing. <laughs> Way too much. It's going to cause, it's gonna cause <laughs> you know, strain on those bolts. It is, yeah. You're going you're gonna to get damage to your hull. Have you been uh, hyperspacing too much in this when you take it for repair? The guy's going, um, how much hyperspacing have you been doing? Uh, not much. Why? Well, it looks to me like, you know, this... This is definitely hyperspace wear and tear here. <laughs> Look at right this. There. Absolutely. Look at this sheared bolt. You see that? That's that's stainless steel, that is. Pure hyperspace damage. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. In it, so it's separated. Your ship, after hyperspace in one point, for too much, it's separated into eight parts across eight different planets. Convenient, that. So like they couldn't land on one planet. Anyway, you're left in your <laughs> scout ship that could do nothing but shoot a laser forward and hop. Who designed this? <laughs> 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 somebody that had been obviously on a planet where kangaroos became the dominant species <laughs> probably so with this craft you must make your way through the eight auto scrolling levels collect the eight parts to get your ship back together and go off hyperspacing again i guess you know, if you haven't learned anything it's time to get hyperspacing again when the game loads presentation is quite nice there's a cool mastertronic logo nicely drawn and there's a nice logo for the game. High score, credits bounce off and on, and the music by Mr. Tell is excellent. All we can do is listen to it or get into the game. So let's press fire and do just that. The middle of the screen is where the action takes place. Whilst at the top and bottom, we have some UI. Top has a score, high score, number of lives. In a nice looking, but ultimately over-designed graphic piece. Just, you know, they've done that thing where they've drawn some nice graphic at the top because they don't want to scroll it. Whilst at the bottom, we have three icons, which I think mean fire, shield, and flight, I think. I couldn't find instructions for this. I did look. I did find a story for it in the back of it, so I've read about it, but the instructions actually no i did find the instructions it was on i found something on ebay which i had to zoom in on so i could read them but they're not very clear so i didn't I, so don't blame me there's nothing in instructions yet so there's nothing there and i think that they're either half in the border or in the border or something at the bottom because the split where i think they're into the border is off centered because they just don't look right there's something about those those icons at the bottom that don't look right they're not right they're not no they're look, not I look kind of, because there's three it's just not the right number of icons. No, and they split right through the middle, which I think is the bottom of the screen where it's going the border. <laughs> yeah, so something yeah, yeah. Something's weird. Something's, something's uh, wrong. Something's wrong. Anyway, the in-game sprites are quite nice. It reminded me of stuff in those uh, Carl Hornell games, like Fungus and things like that. It's got that kind of sort of similar kind of shading, yeah, chunky, vibe, look to, chunky look to them. Your scout craft can bounce by pushing up and holding fire generates a stream of lasers you know, this is quite good. This is two games this week or something where it's like not just a single bullet, which is good. Um, you can move left and right on the screen, but it's constantly scrolling to the right. So it's kind of like, you know, it's Nemesis style. It's an auto-scroller. It's just going left to right, but this has got platforms. So you're on platforms, so it's a platformer as well. But in addition to you constantly moving to the left and right, uh, okay, enemies will come on from the uh, the right, and they might be flying around or ground-based. Um, all of them need to be killed. 
all of them. So basically what's happened is these planets where your spaceship parts have landed are festooned, are populated, are replete with loads of enemies that just need to be killed. And these enemies come in all different shapes and sizes from helicopters to blobs. I don't know. It's probably sprites they could draw. There is also yeah. a sea of sulfuric acid under the platforms that you roll across. And there are big gaps in the platforms that need to be jumped across uh, whilst trying to shoot the aliens coming at you. If you land in the sulfuric acid, dead. Hit one of the aliens, dead. Um, and as you can imagine, those aliens are, are timed to come at you at the most inopportune moments where you need to jump. And your jump will just bring you straight into them and you're dead. And if you do if you do end up dead, you get hit, uh, you get hit, you get sent back to the beginning of the level, which is absolutely infuriating. Hitting the acid sends you back to the level. Landing on a platform not dead center will send you back to the start of the level as well. And this happens a lot. The collision detection on this is really punishing, really annoying. On you, it's really punishing. On them, not so much. Not on the enemies. This is a hard game and poorly designed when it comes down to it. The game is not on the side of the player, as the likelihood of dying to one of the many elements that can kill you is high and very likely. Couple that with the lack of decent collision detection, what's the point in having a constant stream of lasers if enemies could just pass through it to kill you? Um, This makes no sense. You have a very frustrating game on your hands. It looks okay, sounds great, but it plays like a game that does not like you and wants you to die. And when you do, it sends you back to the beginning, and this is just ultimately frustrating and disheartening. It's a budget bastard, this. And once again, shows that although there is some good technical chops on show, there's a lack of real design to the game. It reminded me of a budget army moves. That's what this reminded me of. And unfortunately, it has inherited all the issues that game had without trying to rectify them. Shame, really. Another with the core components. Nice visuals, nice presentation, a nice idea. Okay, fair enough. Just let down by a very, very frustrating game underneath. And that's what I thought of Scout. What about you? Same, really. Um, didn't we say the uh, the exact same thing about the last Ian and Mick game? That it was all, Possibly, light, and was no, it? It was all, all light and no heat, like he, you know, um, old pants and no trousers or whatever you say. <laughs> um, I think, I can't remember the last one was, but I, it was some kind of shoot em, I think. But I seem to remember saying the exact same thing. And this suffers from the same problem. There's lots of demo code in here, lots of flexible line distancing, lots of things bouncing up and down and all of that. Mm. Oh, that's good, fine. Graphics are okay, nicely shaded, but not much else you could say about them, really. They're kind of forgettable. They're not amazing. But the uh, the bouncing logic of the game, for me, got very frustrating very quickly and just led to lots of pain and unnecessary difficulty. I didn't enjoy playing it. Didn't feel the music's amazing. Great presentation and everything else. All that demo code coming into the fore at the start of the game. But we we had the exact same problem with the last Ian and Mick game that we played, which I also think was a budget game. Um, And that was that once you got to the actual game, it was just a frustratathon. There was just one frustrating thing after another. This, to me, felt unfinished. Was it It radius? It felt like it was missing. It could have been radius, yeah. I can't remember. Um, But it was was suffered from the same problem, as I recall. Um, Mm. It was, there was lots of nice front-end stuff, but when we got into the actual game, it felt a little bit unfinished, far too punishing. Some nice, nice elements put together, but it didn't feel coherent enough to make it a kind of whole thing. And inevitably, a game like this, you need to have a difficulty, you know, a difficulty ramp. You can't just throw them yeah. in at the deep end because it just, it, it, you never, no one's going to be instantly good at this game and you need to be, otherwise you're not going to last long. I didn't. And I bounced off the game as much as this game bounced around as well. So, I mean, for one ninety nine, all right, it got 48% in Zap. I get that. That's probably about right for something that's two quid. I just don't think you're going to get two quids worth of entertainment from it. Um, you might from the music, um, and you might like the demo styling of the beginning and the sprites sort of moving around and the logos and all of that bouncing about. You might, you know, that's that part is nice, but there's just something not quite there with the game design again. Um, so not for me. Um, mm. um, like I said, if you there may be people out there that like it, 
I, I, I didn't really get into it. Um, I find it a bit too difficult, too much to go through. And there's better shoot 'em up games of this kind of thing out there already. That you know, there's loads of them that yeah. I'd rather play than that. So no, sorry, I bounced off uh, Scout. Yeah, good. like Not like I said, I went all Ramsey Bolton on it with a budget bastard. <laughs> That's what I thought. It's just what I just yes. I just thought it was a good description for it. It's just you know, it's just a game that doesn't like you. You mean you you tied it up and made it, and then you uh, ate sausages and then waved them at them. <laughs> <laughs> Sausage, <laughs> banger. This ain't a banger. It's the worst Grain Jill impersonation, isn't it? That bit in the uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> sausage, <laughs> big bubbly sausage. It is. Um, it really is. Yes. Uh, there we go. That's Reek. Uh, sorry, Reek. <laughs> Scout. It does Reek. Um, Scout. It's not very good. Uh, it's better than uh, Bob Winner, though, but it's nowhere near as good as uh, Alien Syndrome. Well, Syndrome. most things are better than Bob bloody Winner. <laughs> Win Bobner. It's Win not Bob Winner. It's Win Bobner. <laughs> Win Bob- <laughs> most things are better than Win Bobner, in all fairness. In fact, everything's better than that. So they really are. It's, it's in an elite group of awfulness, that one. But Scout... There were some parts to like, but they're all at the front and they're not in the game. Yeah, the, the, the constituent parts, the, the like the graphics, the music, the controls, the shooting, it's all good. The game yeah. is not. Like when you explode, for example, when you blow up, it felt very like Whizball. You know, it's, there's little hints of things they've borrowed here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway. Anyway, there we go. Um, that's it. That's our first three games for, for this part, uh, for this uh, episode. We're going to go away, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into albums for what month we're in June in it yeah, albums for June 1988 so please keep listening and we'll be back in a mo heavily frosted cupcakes and gallons of milky tea to our much-loved show sponsor davidhernwriter.com where you will find a whole bunch of brilliant audiobooks bargain books ebooks and more i can tell you david is a multi-talented fellow of some renown and to prove it let's take a listen to an excerpt from his amazing audiobook escape from the commodore 64 which is available right now frustrated she pushed the corner of the aha poster back into place stay she whispered she waited When it fell loose again with a soft thwack, she threw her hands in the air and instead let herself fall backwards onto her bed. With a pillow held over her head, Sarah screamed out her frustrations. If only Morton could climb out of his music video and whisk her away into staticky bliss. A girl could wish. She thought of Reese's first crush on the back of his door, her checkered love matching his checkered past of returning games, or worse, making others do it for him. Well, colour me convinced that sounds blooming awesome. For more, you can visit davidhernwriter.com. That's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com, to grab yourself some of that juicy, juicy stuff. What are you waiting for? And we are back. Uh, we are back. We've got albums for June 1988. Strange month. <laughs> some strange number ones here. I'll give you that. There's some strange stuff, isn't they? Uh, it really there is. is. But well, let's see what's going on in these summer months. For the first three weeks, um, an album, a various artist album called Night Flight, spelled N I T E F L I T E, was number mm. one. Uh, hopefully, one. you've. Yeah, it was number one. So hopefully, you've not had a look at this because. Um, 
it's, it's a compilation album, but I thought, you know what, let's have a look. So I had a look at this, and um, so I'm going to read you out some songs from Night Flight that were on okay. this and some that weren't. And I want okay. you to try and tell me if you can tell me what's a Night Flight or what's a Night Shite. <laughs> Fair enough, okay. <laughs> or a Shite Flight. Either works. <laughs> so, is, it, is it Shite or Flight? Okay. Well. Is it Shite or Flight? Yeah. Um, so these are tracks possibly on it, so let's go through them. George Benson with a song called Shiver. That sounds like a flight. It is a flight, yes. Well done. Gregory Bishop with Shine Your Shoes. (laughs) That sounds like a shite. (laughs) I have stopped laughing. Yes, that is indeed a shite. Atlantic (laughs) Star with Always. Um, Flight. Well done, yes. Anita Cook, Smooth Loving. (laughs) I want to say flight because it it does sound shite, but I think it's a flight. It's a shite. Uh, <laughs> it's a shite. Loving. It was actually a, a Nita Baker loving. with the song. Let's change it to Goody to Cook. Alexander O'Neill with If You Were Here Tonight. Sounds like a flight. That is a flight, yes. Randy Crawford with Almaz. Sounds like a shite. No, that's a flight. Uh-huh. That's a real song. Um, <laughs> what are these songs? I don't know. <laughs> Minnie Ripperton with Loving You. Shite. Flight. Oh, God. It's real. Then we've got the Artful Harry Band with Some Say You're Bad News in brackets, Not Me. Shite. That is a shite, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to hear the Artful Harry Band. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, Luther Vandross with Give Me the Reason. Uh, flight. It is a flight, yes. Don Perignon with Look at You, Girl. Don Perignon? Is that a champagne? Shite. <laughs> yes, it is. The, there is an actual band on there called Champagne. <laughs> one of the songs on that so that's where we're uh, um dear. alexander o'neill again with let's go mm. dutch uh that's shite it is shite yes he does have an, he'd never actually, go dutch <laughs> no well he, his, his other song on there was criticized but i thought oh, let's go dutch the song was called dance of the clogs <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna i was gonna put i'll pay for that I, i'll pay for this but not that in brackets <laughs> but i didn't uh, um SOS band with Weekend Girl. Uh, a flight. I'll say that a is flight. a flight. Yes, well done. Max Fahrenheit with Just One Look. <laughs> flight. Shite. <laughs> I want that to be real. Max Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson, Rock With You. Um, that's a shite. No, it's a flight. Uh, I don't uh, know much about Michael Jackson. Um, the Conklins with Hold You in brackets all night long. <laughs> shite. It is definitely shite. And finally, Regina Bell with Show Me The Way. Uh, flight. It is a flight. Well done. I didn't keep score. But well uh, done. You got, you got quite a few of them. Maybe not even that. <laughs> there you go. That's night flight. Yeah, think, there's nothing more to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just it's, stormed in. <laughs> yeah, it's some weird sort of soul-type album thing, easy listening MOR stuff that just stayed at number one for three weeks. But there you go. Max Fahrenheit. Finally, uh, last month, last week of the month, Tracy Chapman with Tracy Chapman. Yep. I think we've spoken about this, haven't we? Yeah, it's the one with Fast Car and that on it, isn't it? And fast Car, Slow Song. Sorry, yeah. and all that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that uh, uh, did she do the... We did. A, I think I get Tracy Chapman and um, there's another artist that I get confused to Tracy Chapman. Um, I can't think who it is, though, so I'm not that confused by it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get confused. Just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I just get confused to Tracy too many slow songs about fast things don't do that don't absolutely do that. yeah uh right fifth of june uh did not a lot going on fifth of june in at number 59 was bookbinders kid by elkie brooks 10th album from elkie brooks that i couldn't tell you it's my mum's favorite artist 
Elkie Brooks, she? she had everything. Yeah, she absolutely loved Elkie Brooks. So I pretty much probably heard every single song off her entire 10 album catalogue. She's still doing stuff right up until, I don't know, there's loads more albums than that, I think. But she was actually born Elkie Bookbinder. That's for real as well. I'm not making that up. Is that why um, this is called Bookbinder's Kid? It is. That's exactly why, mm. yeah. comes from a long line of bookbinders. She does, which is odd, isn't it? What a name. I mean, that it's from that era when you were named after what you did, isn't it? So, but yeah. You know, what, what, what do you do for a living? I bind books. What's your name? John Bookbinder. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I must have. Somebody in my um, past must have owned some mills. Exactly. I, mean, I don't know what. You know, maybe they I don't managed know what, stables. What's yours? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They either rode something or padded something. I'm not sure which, and it's got blended. Braddy. It's padding. From a long line of padders. <laughs> <laughs> I pad it. He pads things. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. But I um, don't know either. But as for podcast friend Gary as well, he's he's you know he uses the name Wilson, but he's actually candle maker, isn't he? Gary Candle Maker. <laughs> Candle holder. <laughs> yes, but he's emitted enough wax darts in his life, so. <laughs> no, no. Um, number 86, the hits of House Are Here by various they, they artists. Are. They probably are. Probably are there. Yeah, um, probably. I put the track listing off the Discogs thing in there. I'm not going to go through it because just insert the word house into a few sentences and you're pretty much there with it. Yeah. I'll house you, they'll house me, we'll house each other, come to my house, I'll come to your house, <laughs> let's go to each other's house. House, 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 house. House, house by the cemetery, last house on the left. <laughs> Sell my house, please. <laughs> Houses under the hammer. Um, yeah. 12th, 12th of June. Uh, straight in at number two is People by the Hot House Flowers. I don't eh. like it. <laughs> we don't normally like these things that's the th- no I, you know, I listened to it i did it listen to it i went off and listened to don't go which was a single off that album the first yes. single off that album and, and i realized immediately this kind of Let's do that one yeah 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 <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots of ram- rambling <laughs> mor rock yeah yeah. Yeah. they don't finish the sentences off properly or some of the words so it kind of <laughs> it's all a bit you know no not for me that's smoke yeah. correct smoke more smoke when you see them on top of the pops and i did i caught some top of the pops recently and they were playing on it and they just yeah. just look smug like look at us Very smug, yeah smug yeah. Off. hot house flowers as well come on come on I mean, we just had we just had the hits of House Are Here. Why were the Hot House Flowers not on it? Yeah, well, they should have been, shouldn't they? The hits, they're the Hot House. The hits of Hot House. The hits of Hot House. That's what their album will be called. And loads of annoyed House fans have bought that. So and go, what is this? And there's just even anyone saying House in it. <laughs> Don't know. Well, there might be. We just can't understand them. <laughs> can't understand. He doesn't finish the words off properly, does he? Did he say I'm House? Come to my house. Did he say House? Did he say? Did he say House? I come to my come to my home. <laughs> <laughs> come to my home. That would be the hot home flowers. That's a different band altogether. <laughs> it really is. Uh, number eight is Provision by Scritty Politty. You have to say it like yeah. that. Scritty. Scritty Politty. You can't Scritty say it Politty. any other way. Yes, because it can't be Scritty Politty, can it? <laughs> <laughs> if you were doing this in like, give us a clue, rhymes with fighty. Politey? Bitey. Rise and bite, scritey politey. <laughs> this is the third album by them, um, British band, which I didn't realise. Um, uh, formed yeah. in Leeds in 1977, mm. but bland, so bland, so very bland. Uh, so, my my, so. my partner used to be friends with someone who was uh, married to one of the members. She she knew, she knew a politey or a scritty. Uh, no, she knew a politey. Ah, oh, she politey. Okay. It was politey. Uh, it was not a politey. 
that <laughs> particular song that I, I found, which is off the album, which is called There She Was, sounds a lot like Genesis's um, Susudio. That is not an easy yeah. sentence to say. Genesis is Susudio. No, it's not. There's too many zzzzs. Yeah, you know, zzz, zzz. So it feels uh, like you're malfunctioning. You're going to turn into a Dirk Benedict from that film Snake. <laughs> Why? Why was I programmed to say zzz? Um, <laughs> Why indeed. Um, yeah, I did think so there were no. far too many people on that stage, though, for such a little sound. So many, isn't there? It's loads so of many. Them. That's because there's, you know, when you've got a, a polite you need a lot of scrite <laughs> You've got to balance the way it out. It goes. You've got you to balance, balance the it out. with the yeah. oh, now, we've got, now we've got too many politeies and not enough scrites. <laughs> it's, it's all out of whack. It's all out of balance. No wonder the song ain't very good. No. It just sounds a bit like Genesis. <laughs> uh, number 12, Ain't Complaining by Status Quo. No, the 18th studio album. 18. You now have to read this next sentence, what Rick Parfit said. <laughs> and that last word needs to be changed. <laughs> the music was too polite. Rick Parfit la- <laughs> Parfit later remarked of the album, there was no weight behind what we were doing. The edge had gone. We weren't real anymore. And as I've noted, does that mean they've lost their status quo? Yes. The status quo, it's exactly, he actually broke his own name. Um, they've, <laughs> We can't call ourselves status quo. Why? Because we've our edge is gone. We're not real anymore, and we've got no weight to what we're doing. We're not actually maintaining what we were. We're not no. the status quo. Hard to do though after eighteen albums. Well, in most instances, yes. All they really need to do is the same thing they've done for the previous seventeen. <laughs> not challenging that. They <laughs> put not, a ballad on that one. It's not very good. Exactly. Exactly. Just stick to doom, doom, do 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 da 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 and all that. Do that. Number 38, By All Means Necessary, Boogie Down Productions. There weren't a lot of new albums out this month. Nah, this is KRS-One's type stuff. Gary's vibe, very much this. He mentioned it, didn't he, in the last... He may have mentioned done. Boogie Down Productions during his... Uh, in, well, in that moment where he just turned into some kind of, you know, 1980s <laughs> house slash hip-hop, um, you know... Savant. Person, yeah, Savant. Um, he mentioned Boogie Down Productions and meant some of those names like Scott LaRock, Scott LaRock, Scott LaRock. And a few others. Uh, you mentioned them. Um, doesn't mean anything to me. Probably means something to him. Um, but anyway, go, you know, check it out. It's the second album from American hip-hop group Boogie Down Productions. Here you go. All right. Uh, number 52 is Ooh Yeah by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates. I don't know much about them, but this was their 13th album. Oh, God, stop, people. Thirteen back then, didn't they? I, I mean, I don't know. 13 albums is a lot, right? That's a lot yeah, yeah, for me is. to not know anything about them. No. I mean, they've, yeah. they've been pumping out music for pretty much my entire, you know, life up to that point. And I'm like, and I've never heard of it really. And I, even though all I could think of was that they sounded like a really good brand of muesli. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could think of. Oh, oh. Yes, that's uh, maybe cough. Yes, they, they they do. Oats, all the oats. We, we, we make something to get you going in the morning. Well, Better than ready is break. it me? John Oates is a kind of a strongman name for me. You know, if you were going to be an enter a strongman competition like Europe's Strongest Man, John you'd Oates. want to be John Oates. It's such a strong sounding name, isn't it? Daryl Hall sounds like he's the guy that helps him, you know, carry stuff for him. But John Oates is the guy that does all the heavy lifting in that duo. He's the one yeah. that gets them big, massive, like heavy, you know, them giant balls that they pick up in the strongman competitions, <laughs> those Atlas Stones. He's yeah, the yeah. guy that picks up the Atlas Stones. Daryl Hall's just the guy that draws the finest smiley face on him. <laughs> Or right, or right's left hand, right hand on them, so he knows which way to pick it up. <laughs> but, um, but John Oates was the small one, wasn't he? He was a small, hairy, oh, mustachioed well, one. Maybe, but in reality, and that's just the oh, way they right. frame them in the imagery, is in bit of you know, bit of early Photoshop. In reality, John Oates is massive. He's six foot 
Seven, maybe even it's seven like, foot six. It's like, was it? Is it John Bunyan? Bun. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, you've seen Game of Thrones, haven't you? He's like the mountain's brother, um, but the one that not the hound is the other brother that you don't see. You know, the hill, <laughs> the hillock, the, the tall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the so John Oaks, he's just a big the guy. He's a, that's, that's a big man name. John Oates is a big man name. The, the one in so. t- the one in ten. <laughs> <laughs> he comes with a little like a, that's his logo. His little sign. <laughs> Yeah, is the walking is the walking ratio the man mountain John Oates is it? That's the name of a strong man. I'm sorry, but it is okay. All right, I'll, I'll yes. You write a story about him. <laughs> Read it out <laughs> on the next podcast. Um, I will. Uh, at number seventy, <laughs> Julia Fordham by Julia Fordham. Apparently, she was one of Kim Wilde's backing singers. I don't know. Uh, 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 her name sounds like you're trying to like pay for something, but you can't quite get there. Julia Fordham. No, she can't. <laughs> Do you know there was a chap at my school when he was at school whose dad was a policeman and he was PC Fordham, I believe. Was he? Yeah. Well, it would be oh, if yeah, he was a policeman yeah. and, his, and his name was Fordham. Don't think he's related to Julia, though. She's still going. No. Nah, she can't be stopped. Still going. She can't be stopped, no. She's got a website and everything. Um, so <laughs> she's, she's available pro- for she, she, she's parties. Proper, she's proper modern. <laughs> She is, yes. <laughs> Website and everything. She's got CDs. She's on the gram. She's on the Twitter. Exactly. She's got her own uh, top tick, or whatever you call it, TikTok. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even know what that means, but she's uh, juliafordham.com. She's on you, you can hire her to for your party. She's like, she, that's, you know, that's what she does. <laughs> Please do. She needs to work. Yeah. And um, tell her, you know, can you sing me all your great songs? She'd be like, yeah, which ones do you want? Uh all of them. <laughs> let me just uh, well, let me just listen to the ones that I remember. Because uh, you five minutes. Yeah, but I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> you couldn't afford him. Um, oh, very good. There you go. Uh, number seventy nine is Second Sighting by Freely's Comet. Is this anything to do American with Ace Freely? Yes, it is. It's oh, his band. I thought he was dead. Not at this point. Not. Oh, I'll tell you he... what. It would be a, a real bummer, <laughs> wouldn't it? Is this, we need a guitarist with any guitarist out of Kiss or something. I thought I thought he was in Kiss, yeah, but I, I don't think he's dead, or at least he wasn't dead at this point because I think that's his band. You'd have to do a bit more googling, I think. Maybe. I think I should. But a second sighting was recorded with the new drummer Jamie Oldacre, who had previously worked with Bob Seger and Eric Clapton. He replaced Billy Ward, who was in the videos and part of the tour for the previous album, replacing Anton Fig. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would return for 1989's Trouble Walking. This makes Second Sighting the only freely solo album or project, excluding compilations, to not feature fig. So there's no fig. <laughs> no, no fig, fig in that. And no as fig. I've written, I, um, I find your lack of fig disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ace Freely's not dead. Come to Google. Years active is 1964 to present. So I'm guessing exactly. he's still going. I Stop dead. announcing people to be in dead. It's, it's, <laughs> it's dead. I'm spinal just, tapping. Just because there's no fig in the album, no figgy pudding in there, is there? I think I'm getting confused with uh, what's his face, Randy Rhodes. Just think. Uh, he's well, dead. Let's start when they sing. Let's all have some figgy pudding. They don't when he's because he ain't in it. He's not there. Who's let's Billy all Ward have some figgy anyway? pudding. We can't. Ah, oh. because <laughs> there's no fig. I don't know. They're all very, very, very. If they're hanging around with Clapton and Bob Seger, they're all you know pretty influential musos of the time. Um, so I'm guessing Anton Figs are probably an amazing you know drummer or something. Anyway, sorry probably. Anton, if we've upset you by you know, but you weren't you weren't in it. You weren't you, you're not you, fi- you were not fig you weren't you weren't figured. That's <laughs> what so I was just about to say. That yeah, you didn't figure <laughs> in this uh, in this in album this, in this relationship. You weren't yeah. there. He was in Kiss though. H3 you were a figment of someone's imagination <laughs> <laughs> for this. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my lord 19th of june quickly moving on uh in at number 21 is sur la mer by the moody blues oh. 13th 13th album god how well it's the same as holding out it's been released them just as long but the thing is with <laughs> um, the moody blues the only thing i know them for is nights in white satin oh um, is that them is it yeah, nights in white white. yeah that's one of their early ones and that's the only thing i know them for and i came to the conclusion sort of thing that their name is really depressing the blues is already you know the blues is like you got the blues you're a bit depressed sort of thing the last thing you want to be is moody yeah like oh good lord moody blues yeah so the blues are bad enough without a double downer it is yeah isn't Sir Le Mer, is that in the sea? Yeah, I think on so, the sea. Yeah, uh, the some, sea, yeah it? it might be know. on the Something sea. Something about the sea. Yeah. Uh, is it La Mer? That's the sea, moon. yeah. That's uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's that's the sea. Oh, the sea. <laughs> the sea. Oh, the sea. Oh, the sea. <laughs> How big and watery you are. <laughs> <laughs> you make me wet. La, 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 la. the sea. <laughs> oh, I love being by the sea. Le Mer, the sea. <laughs> it's by the coast. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be the coast. And I like toast. Did I say I like toast by the <laughs> coast? <laughs> While looking at La Mer. <laughs> I don't like to boast. Uh, anyway, um, so yes, About I agree. Roast. See, our song, our song, as jovial as that is, would not be suitable for a moody blue. No, it's it more like a, a happy Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Was a moody blue. What would be the opposite of a moody blue? Like a happy red? Yeah, happy chirpy, pink? chirpy yellow. Chirpy yellows. Their, that was their first band name. They were like, we can't be the chirpy yellows. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of bloody parakeets. <laughs> but then when we were with the new chirpy yellows, we'll go back to being <laughs> the yellows and the chirpy. They just tried different colours out. Let's be the Moody, moody. Red. Bob Moody. Bob Moody and the Blues. No one ever says Moody Red. <laughs> Moody black, anyway, it's too far. Too far, you touch too down, no. Too dark. Blues, yeah. Uh, number 27, I'm real, ah, by James Brown. <laughs> da, 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 da. There is. Um, at this point, is living in America. <laughs> actually true, it's, not, it's a pun as well, but it's true. So yeah, he is very real, James Brown, as we know. As, as we know. Yeah, very much, especially his teeth. Number 28, Jack Mix in full effect by Mirage. Ah, oh, just... It's all the jacking and all the mixing and yeah. I jack, find jack, abund- jack, jack your mixing. <laughs> I find your abundance of jacking disturbing. Yes. I think Darth Vader would not be into jacking, would he? It, he's not a, He's not the jacking type. No, he's not going to break out into his jack mix. You know, he's not going <laughs> to sit in his little speaker dome or whatever. He's got like a bass pod anywhere he goes for his... When he takes his helmet off, obviously, he's got his ears fully out. And yep. That's when he sits in his bass pod and, you know, puts on his... I had a friend who did that. He used to put a say a friend an acquaintance used to put a really loud speaker in his green wheelie bin and sit in there and um, take some you know illegal substances let's leave it at that call them that and he'd sit in that and call it his bass pod so similar (laughs) you think some odd people yeah he's probably still out there in his bin he can't get out He's still in his bed. He'll be in. He'll be in his base pod probably still. Probably number thirty-eight is "Down in the Groove" by Bob Dylan. Twenty-fifth studio album. <laughs> that's like that's two. That's a moody blue and a hole in oats almost. <laughs> a moody <But> oats. <laughs> <laughs> hall and blue. A blue hall. It's a blue hall. Twenty bloody five albums. Apparently, this was a highly collaborative effort. Not surprised. It's probably everyone's like. Everyone's helping him at this point. Oh, God, he's struggling to get the album out. It's 25th. Going, That's where Fig we putting it. His harmonica's see-through. It's transparent. He's, <laughs> he's blown in and out of it that often. It's just worn it away. It's like his spit's like the rain. It's just worn it off like a cliff edge. <laughs> it's 
don't stand in front of it because you just get all you'll get is a mouthful of Dylan spit. Like, hey, oh, God, it's, it's like acid. It's like the worst episode of uh, <laughs> Magic Roundabout ever. <laughs> no one wants Dylan spit. Yeah, Ted Florence. What was that? <laughs> Dylan spit. That's my, my Dylan spit. <laughs> Dylan, what are you doing back there? Spitting. Spitting through my broken, worn down harmonica. That's, <laughs> I've breathed heavily in and out of this harmonica so often now. It's worn down there to the nub. Um, oh anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it just took a really weird turn. Bob Dylan did, though. This album took a weird turn, actually. It was the one with the most unanimously negative reviews. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe you should have given up at that point, you know. Well, it, it's only so much whinging you can do after 25 albums. Everyone's yeah, like, what's he on yeah, about yeah, now? It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no this coffee anyway. is too hot, so the coffee I have broken it. <laughs> it's oh, 1988 and I've broken <laughs> my harmonica. It <laughs> 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 doesn't sound the same without harmonica, Bob. Sorry. Can we get you a new one? No. Oh, I've Christ, run out of signs to write on. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, kids! Are coming for you. Sucks and chickens and things. Oh, his lyrics have—he's lost it, mate. God's sake! Yeah, absolutely. Number seventy is close, close, so close. By Kim so Wilde. Yeah, the sixth and final album from uh, Kim Wilde. That sixth. very mixed reviews. Yeah, very no mixed. tracks on it that I recognised or remembered before. A couple of singles got released of it, but by this point, you know, because nothing she did at this point was sounding much like. Kim Either, Wilde. yeah, the kids in America came well. Everyone wanted more of that. Everyone wanted more of that. She just stuck to doing that, being wild, fab. But like we said last time, she didn't, did she? She kind of went, no. she's got Kim Normal, Kim, Kim Average, Dull. Kim, Kim Dull. Kim not, not so wild, yeah. Mm. Uh, finally, number 84, Diesel and Dust, Midnight Oil, uh, number 84. Um, there's six pseudo album. Six. Six. I know. Six. Um, six. And to be honest, I, I know very little about these, you know, Midnight Oil between beds are burning. Yeah, that's They're it. Politicized Australian band, I think. Aren't I, th- they? I, I think, think so. Yeah, and you know, and I'm sure band. if I dug it back into maybe some of their back catalogue, I'd probably find some decent stuff there. Maybe. I, rem- I remember them being quite casual because I remember the video for Beds Are Burning. They just kind of sat around, you know, in underpants and string vests, <laughs> no, not really no. wearing much. Just sat around. His guitar is like it's, his guitar's <laughs> a cardboard box with a with an elastic <laughs> band on it. <laughs> Did you watch like some sort of students remake? <laughs> no, that was the real the real deal. It was like it was like uh, they were like a dust devil type band. Okay, so. okay, <laughs> okay. Well, someone uh, had set all their beds on fire. So that is true. Twenty sixth of June, uh, number three is Idol Songs Eleven of the Best Ugh. by Billy Idol. So I like this, but when I looked into this because he's Billy Idol, you know, and I like a lot of his songs, but was unaware that he'd released a compilation called Vital Idol in 1985. Mm. And it was re-released in the US in 87 um, with except seven songs in the UK and eight in the US. And it had the songs White okay. Wedding, Moni Moni, mm-hmm. Hot in the City, Dancing with Myself, Flesh for Fantasy, To Be a Lover, Love Calling, and Hot in the City on it. Okay. So 11 of the Best had seven of those tracks on it. <laughs> um, the Vital Idol stuff, there were remixes, but, you know, come on. this is You can't just release another Best Of like a year later with the same songs on. You can. Well, he can. And he did. And it was good. Well, he got to number three, but it's just a bit. I wonder, because mm. a lot of the songs that he sang, he didn't write. I think he did. I think he obviously performed them, but there's a few that are covers in there. Moni Moni's a cover, I think. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, a couple of, and I think a couple of others might be. And I'm wondering if the record company had full control of the catalogue at this point, so they'll release whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah. Often that happens if he's changed label or he's changed, you know, you know they, they'll, just re- they'll just release everything they can to get as much money out of it, because the, the relationship or the 
the you know the contract has ended with them or something like that. Mm. I mean, I don't mind because I, I used to listen to this quite a lot. I, I like this best of because it is a you know they 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 are all good songs. White Wedding, Money, Money, Hot and City, Dance Myself, Flesh Fantasy to Be Love, Love Calling. They're all good. How did um, they not call it Golden Idol? No, I don't know. Or give me the idol and in brackets I'll give you the whip. <laughs> Or Bone Idol. Or Bone Idol, yeah. Those are all great names for a compilation album of Billy Idol songs. Yeah. Idol yeah. Vice. You, can, you could have a picture of his head in a vice. That's great cover cover material. Right? That is yeah. good, yeah. Idol Vice, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, any of them are better. They're probably all real. <laughs> Every year he releases a best of album, just puts them in a different order. <laughs> yeah, but what else is an idol? I can't think of anything now. Number four, Roll With It by Steve Winwood. Yeah, yeah. Are you ever a big Steve Winwood fan? No, I, I can't, you know, I totally, got total respect for him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because you know, his voice is amazing. I mean, amazing. And he's been around a while as well. Yeah. Um, but um, it's his fifth album, most commercially successful one. Um, and apparently he was an integral member of three seminal music ensembles of the 60s and 70s, the Spencer Davis Group, Traffic and Blind Faith. I don't believe any of those groups are real. <laughs> <laughs> well, Traffic's an odd name, isn't it? I've never I've heard of the Spencer Davis group, but yeah, clearly because why didn't they call it the Steve Winwood group? If he's that good, it would be his group, wouldn't it? So he's obviously a second. <laughs> Who's Spencer rap. Davis? Exactly. So that's that's the first, that's the title of the first album. Who's Spencer Davis? Yeah, because like, <laughs> let's call it the Spencer Davis group. Does anyone know Spencer Davis? No. Why we called it that? Shut up. All right, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Get out of here, Steve, with your ideas. Absolutely. Go play with traffic. So he did. <laughs> so he did. He did. He actually went and did that. Yeah, he went and played it, it sort of thing. So happened. And they told him, he says, you, you, you're rubbish. Uh, all you churn out these songs, you've just got blind faith. Go play with blind faith. So he did. <laughs> so he did. That's how, that's how he moves from group to group. Absolutely, yeah. He has to wait to be invited in some kind of statement. And then finally, he entered an all-American pro-arm arm wrestling contest. And the, uh, the uh, winner got some uh, got a log um and so he win wood god's sake i was i knew he was building up to something then <laughs> it was all on the flight it took a bit of it took a bit of working i could i could see that i could see the cog spinning from here there was please steam coming off it then <laughs> i don't know why he went arm wrestling it was the Steve, first thing that came to mind win wood that's what he was told when he was uh younger go and win wood win go, wood go and win wood um, all right i will good <laughs> Number 13, Let It Be by Voice of the Beehive. Yeah, it's their one with all of their good tracks on, um, debut yeah. album. So all the tracks we've spoken about before, which I really like the Voice of the Beehive, as I've said before, and that is a good album because all those tracks are on it. There you go. Two places down, number 15, Confessions of a Pop Group by The Style Council. Yeah, misnomer of a title, isn't it? Because they're neither a pop group nor have got anything to confess. No, I, I don't uh, like no, I just no, I just don't like the Style Council. Um, no, this was their first album that failed to reach the top ten. That cheered me up. Yeah, good. I made my yeah. day. Um, Not so stylish, are you? Hey. <laughs> We've got nothing on this. Number eighteen, Irish Heartbeat by Van Morrison and the Chieftains. I'm uh, guessing it's a, it's a compilation. The Chieftains are a big Irish folk band, I think. God, God what Van Morrison's got to do with it, I don't know. I guess they just probably met in a pub. Probably Irish Heartbeat. That's a really. Oh. Just, I suspect it's got oh Danny Boy and a whole of other you know classic I, Irish songs. I, I don't know. I didn't look it up. I don't know why I didn't. Who knows? That one. Uh, number nineteen is the collection by Barry White. Yeah, compilation Smooth. with old deep voice himself. Yeah. Oh Barry yeah. White. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Number twenty-seven is Outrider by Jimmy Page. Um, and I've <laughs> noted him and Elkie Bookbinder should have got together. <laughs> Page and Bookbinder. Yeah. It's meant to be, isn't it? I, I thought so when I, when these two appeared. I was like, oh, there you go. They make a great couple. Um, yeah, unfortunately, music-wise, it didn't quite work, like you've said. Not really good um, 
Uh, yeah, it's weird. Did you listen to any of this? I yeah, listened to a, I, I listened to a few of the few of the tracks today. I mean, I've got the like uh, the track listings. Weird. I mean, it's wasting my time. Want to make love? Rights of winter. Um, mm. Robert Plant sang on the only one. Um, and it's really odd. It's very seventies. It just sounds like Led Zeppelin. I mean, I know, yeah. and I know, I shouldn't be surprised that it's Jimmy Page. But every song starts out like um, it's just it just sounds like you know classic heavy metal riff by Led Zeppelin. It's just yeah. all that. So yeah. if you actually like that, then you probably will like this because it's actually not bad. It's just very out of place for 1988 because it all sounds yeah. 1970s Zeppelin. It does. Um, I quite like some of the guitar in it. I mean, I have to say, Jimmy yeah. Page is no slouch. I mean, is an amazing player. Worth worth listening to for the... I think he's, he's able to explore some of the more pagey stuff in that. It's less gated and less hidden behind the amazing work of the other amazing musicians from Zeppelin, which obviously is, you know... It's odd. It's just, it's an odd thing. I mean, I, I it's always worth listening to stuff, some of the solo stuff of Led Zeppelin's like that, because um, you get an idea of how talented they are as, as individual musicians. Jimmy Page is a savant guitarist. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah, not knocking him. And, um, but it's always, I just felt like it's... No, he, he, obviously, everyone remembers Jimmy Page riffs, but I sometimes think Led Zeppelin have become all about the drummer kind of a bit all about the drummer kind of band and um, because everyone remembers Maybe. Bonham's drums and they became more famous I think I think I know the riffs and everything are out there but you know you talk to the you know a few band members and everyone starts whenever they reminisce about Led Zeppelin it's more often than not because they're talking about John Bonham not about Jimmy Page um, and Robert Plant he must get outraged he's like what about me <laughs> I don't know if that's how he sounds by the way probably not but yeah um, well, I think that's that's. I mean, similar sort of similar band, I guess. Uh, Rush got the same thing, I and mean, you know, people always talked about yeah. Neil Peart, and then it was Geddy Lee, and poor Alex was always like, "Well, oh, which I think if Geddy Lee had got his dentures earlier, um, <laughs> it'd have been more teethy." And because uh, he's not very teethy, is he? He looks a bit <laughs> like his his teeth have been taken out. That's true. He's a bit gummy. Yeah, um, but um, maybe that's just you know what it is. Yeah, I mean. And there was a weird story around this as well, because it was meant to originally be a double album, but uh, they the studio got broken into and the demo tapes got stolen. Huh. And, he, and he didn't have any backups of them, so they just, just did what was left. Why didn't so, you just play it from memory? You got it yourself in his head. Don't ask me. I don't know. Because it wasn't in his head. No, it wasn't. Once he's played something, it's erased from his brain, because he's only got a very <laughs> small memory There's chip. There's only so much space on the page. True. Oh, very good. Very good. There you go. Jimmy's um, page. That'll be his webpage, isn't it? Jimmy's page. <laughs> Look like Homer's. Just be a picture of just picture of him in the centre dancing, playing his guitar, toaster yeah. going around, a rainbow. Yeah, the Microsoft paperclips in the corner somewhere, just doing a sort of dance or something. Jimmy, welcome to Jimmy's page. Hey. That weird three D baby that did the dance, that weird sort of dance oh, yeah. from years ago. That'd from Ali McBeal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, welcome to Jimmy's page. I play the guitar. <laughs> I was in some bands when I was younger. How are? Uh, <laughs> that's not sure. That's how he talks either. <laughs> Is now <laughs> number thirty-nine. <laughs> Open all night by the Georgia Satellites. Utterly forgettable second album. Yeah. Who cares? Um, and finally, uh, just to round out the albums this month and a very strange month and not much going on. Number sixty-one, Instinct by Iggy Pop. His eighth studio album. Mm. Eighth. This album peaked number one hundred and ten <laughs> on the Billboard two hundred chart. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, it was supposed to be his follow-up to um, first first single from the album. It was called Cold Metal. It was supposed to be some some follow-up to his really popular album that he did for previously, um, and they wanted more of that, which is more sort of mainstream stuff. Then he went away and did some some hard rock album, and they were like, oh, okay. we didn't want that. 
Um, <laughs> and, um, strangely, the, the song Cold Metal, which I put a link to there, was briefly played in the 1990 science fiction horror film Hardware, oh. which also featured Iggy Pop as the voice of Angry Bob, the radio DJ. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ministry got involved in that film as well. There's a few soundtracks of their tracks on that film as well. Yeah. Richard Stanley, isn't it? it? Richard Stanley, yeah. That's what I was trying to think of the director was. Yeah. Who, did, uh, who then, you know, did Dust Devil. Dust Devil, yeah. And yeah. that recent, um, came back recently, did he? Colour Out of Space. Do you remember, what do they call those coats that the guys wear in Dust Devil? Long. Yeah, what are they called, those? They're like a long Mac, aren't they? Like a long... Trench coat. Like trench, trench coat, coat, like a long trench coat. Do you remember when uh, Rick got one of them? <laughs> do you remember when he turned up in that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> do, do you remember when he Over came round to my house? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> he came around in his trench coat, his long trench coat. He was literally down down to the ground. So it just it, like you know, like like so you couldn't see his feet. It was just like his really long trench coat because he was a bit portly, wasn't he, at the time? So it, did, it didn't fit him like a trench coat. Would he kind of bulged in the middle? So he looked like a, a bit like a bad, badly packed quality street. But he turned up in this turned up in his in his coat. Podcast friend Gary might remember it as well because I remember we were we fell about laughing because he came and he was like, "What do you think?" And we were like, "Uh." I'm pretty sure it was Gary went. I don't think the world's ready for that look. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that was uh, no other other you know person who we mentioned now and again, Rick. But that was he was well into Dust Devil one of that film, and I remember he got kind of madly obsessed with it, and that's when he come round with that. Yeah, well, trenchcoats never really reached Grimsby, did they? Not really. They didn't really no. reach because um, I was watching. What was I watching the other night? I watched The Fugitive. No, and they're all wearing those massive long trench coats because it's the early 90s and they're all in the FBI. Yeah. In fact, one, one person says when they come into this house and goes, what is this, a trench coat convention? That's right. Which made me laugh. Yeah. Um, but those coats, there's another film as well called Primal Fear with Richard yeah. Gere, which is awful. <laughs> but if you ever want to see an overabundance of fabric, watch that film. <laughs> it's mad. You know, this, this sweatshops must have been burning um, to make all those coats. <laughs> there is. Well, it was just maybe it was just a, a thing of the time then, but he, I remember him coming around in it. It was like a particular type. Yeah, it was like it, brown, it was a, wasn't it? It was, it was a, like a brown, yeah, it was a dusty thing of the one. town in time in like America, not Grimsby. <laughs> no, not at all. It was more like um, it was more like a goth. You know the goth type oh, trench yeah, coat. Yeah. You know the really long type that, but a brown dusty cover. It's like dusty one. <laughs> but Rich wanted goth. <laughs> no, so he, he had like a croissant there, did he? So he came around with his with his, with his, with his ice cream, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, he had a, he had a croissant head. <laughs> yeah, anyway, just sat down in the pub, didn't we? He went, hey, you're right, croissant head. That was it. It was born. The, the name stuck forever. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, croissant <laughs> head. <laughs> anyway, just reminded me that Iggy Pop reference reminded me of that film Hardware. Then that took me back to that. Yeah, it's all connected. It's like it's like a it's like a shit Kevin Bacon game. I'm looking at a wall with loads of pegs and red red string. <laughs> that's what I'm looking at. Uh, there we go. That's your albums. <sighs> not much. Some no. interesting stuff, but not much there. Um, no. We're going to go wait, take a quick break, and we'll be back. And we've got four more games to get through. So please keep listening, and we'll see you in a moment. Jumbo Sausage and Chips to our delicious show sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you will find an amazing collection of audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. David recently accepted the position of Deputy Mayor of Targ, and yet still found time to write the awesome book, Escape from the Commodore 64. Just have a listen to this. Nell spun on her heel and glared at her, finger pressed to her lips. It was too late. Visitors. A voice crackles over an unseen PA system. Stay a while. 
Rather not, Sarah grumbled. Stay forever, the voice boomed. Nell threw her arms in the air, her frustration evident even from the other end of the room. Frustration grew to fear as a robot glided into view from a platform above. Blimey, I'm grabbing me some copies of that and I'm taking them to Dizzo or Lave. To get your own copy of that and many, many more, visit davidhernwriter.com. That's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com. Don't rest on your retros now. Hit your blast button and get over there. And we are back. We're back. And so we've got four more games uh, in this section before we are uh, gone away for the for the rest of the week. Um, and so let's get into them. Without further ado, Graham, you've got this one. The strange name of this, it's Grisor or Contra. This is Contra, but it's uh, called Grisor over here. So however you know it, this is Contra or Grisor. Go yes. for it. Yes. Uh, Grisor, as it was known in the magazine, um, Ocean published this. They had very little to do with it other than publishing it. It was copyright Konami. Um, the co- it was coded by Colin Porch and David Blake. Graphics are by Stephen Wahid and Andrew Slay. Title screen, Stephen Wahid. Musician, Jason C. Brook. Okay, there's mm-hmm. your list of the people that went and what did it. Like 86% it got in Zap, which is a quite an interesting score for this. Uh, so it's an arcade conversion. You say of Contra. Contra is a run-and-gun shooter video game developed and published by Konami. Originally developed as a coin-operated arcade game in 1986 and released on February the 20th, 1987. Interestingly, a demo of this game was included with the Ocean release of Combat School, if you remember when we talked about that. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. And it also featured on a Zap cover tape at some point. So one, I think one of our Patreons is, who's often mentions the uh, cover tapes that they play, so I suspect they've maybe played it on there as well. I think it's Jadorf, I think, is one of the ones. That's mm. Anyway, um, so in that demo, when you play the game, uh, when you lose your last life, you, the demo just restarts. There's no sound in it, and the music was lifted from the game Rastan for that as well, which is odd. Um, mm. So that was um, sort of sent into a strictly one-player, single-player experience. Anyhow, that was the demo, and so that gives you an idea. So this is Grisor. I don't know why it was called Grisor instead of Contra. I don't know that at all. I'm guessing no some, just some named variation. It was only Grisor in Europe, I think. Mm. Um, anyway, so uh, from the instructions then, um, the doers, D-U-R-S, that the doors? Um, D-U-R-R-S, the doors? These are the doors. Not the doors as we know them. From the planet Suna have infiltrated Earth's defensive forces. They have set up a stronghold in an uncharted region on our planet and have assembled an atmospheric processing plant, or an APP, an app, which gives them the facility to control the planet's weather conditions. Not good stuff, that. Their plan is to bring about another ice age and thereby take over Earth and all its resources. You are Lance Grisor, a member of the Federation for Earth's Defences, the Feds. I guess that's why. I guess that's why it's called Grisor then. Yeah, I just don't. Well, he wasn't called Lance Contra in Contra, was he? I don't know what it's all no. about. Anyway, having discovered the evil intentions of the Doors, <laughs> you must infiltrate the stronghold, make your way through the fortification, past the androids, and into the heart of the complex to destroy the app. You will encounter many dangers and numerous weapon systems, together with deadly tunnels and awkward mazes. As you get closer to the heart of the complex, you will find that the app has already started its dastardly work, and if you manage to pass the ice region. You will encounter a labyrinth of pipes and ducts only when you realize the danger has just begun. Sorry, only then you realize the danger has just begun. Sorry, I'm reading this at a funny angle. Um, For the aliens incarnate will reveal themselves and you will be pitted against the most deadly foe ever known to man. There is only one man who could ever hope to accomplish this mission. His name is Lance Grisor. So the game is made up of three sections. In the first two sections, you have to 
destroy the enemy atmosphere processor and the mothership. The first section comprises of three scenes. In the first, you must fight your way along a scrolling landscape to the enemy base and blow a hole in the wall to gain entrance. In the second scene, you must follow your map through a heavily defended tunnel sequence to the control room. In the third scene, you must destroy the control room itself. The second section is laid out in a similar way to the first as you endeavour to destroy the second stronger enemy outpost. The third section comprises of two scenes. In the first, you must fight your way through the atmospheric processor plant, sorry, the atmosphere processing plant, to reach the enemy mothership. In the second, you must fight your way to the heart of the ship and destroy it. On your way, you will encounter weapons, stores, carriers. When these are shot, they release a weapons capsule. Running over this will give you the weapon contained within. The four extra weapons available above the standard rifle are rapid fire, scattergun, laser gun, and barrier, which makes you invisible for a short time. The scattergun fires in three directions at once. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the game per instructions. You control things with a combination of the joystick and, awkwardly, the space bar. And that's not as easy to do in this frantic game and often leads to death. In fact, the pitch for the difficulty is mega high here and Mm -hmm. perhaps even too high. So expect to die frequently this game. The gameplay style changes from a Green Beret army moves left to right scrolling and jumping affair to a 3D-ish kind of rear POV shootout maze to a kind of shoot the targets type deal with a running left and right. there's There's other games that are similar to this. I can't think what it was. Perhaps um, a little bit of platoon, perhaps a little bit of platoon logic in there, some of the POV maybe, not so much 3D sequences, but the third level of platoon yeah. or the fourth, I think, when you're sort of running into the screen. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely, kind of view, yes. Anyway. Yeah. So it does change. And once you get through all those sequences, there's a lot of stuff flying about in here, loads of enemies all over the place, lots of grenades and bullets that will kill you repeatedly. Make no mistake about that. The arcade controls are very different to the C64 version. So obviously, because they've obviously got more buttons and the single button in the C64 version uh, of your joystick is assisted by the space bar, which means you can shoot in different directions with the controls and jump up and down the platforms. But it's not easy to do that no, in the no, melee of action. In the no. fact, that's actually the, it's kind of the big the big game killer for this for me um, because mm-hmm. it's, it's faffy to control. But I'll come back to that in a minute because there's other things that are quite interesting. I think the graphics on this, I thought they were pretty good. They're kind of similar to the arcade, I guess, if you squint. Obviously, they're going to be less defined and less colors and it's on an 8-bit machine. The speed and playability is kind of there. The main Grizzle sprite kind of looks the part and the controls are responsive if just hard to operate. In fact, if anything, I think you move too fast and your bullets are too slow. So that it doesn't quite match. You end up running into the enemies a lot in this and running about too much. And it just that f- doesn't feel, and it feels frantic and frantic and difficult to control a bad combination. So I think maybe those things happen. The, the main play window is quite large for the game with most of the UI at the top, but it's in that kind of plain C64 font at the top, which feels cheap. And it, it belies the quality of some of the other things that have gone into this. So that feels like a real cheap, unfinished bit. And I think that sort of lets it down a little. There's also a two-player game, but from what I can understand, it's not simultaneous in, you know, it wasn't, it was simultaneous in the arcade, I think, but it's not simultaneous in the C64 version. Um, So you can only play one player, then two player, then one player, two player, which seems odd because I think this game is kind of reliant with its difficulty on there being two players on the screen at the same time. I've never really played a lot of Contra to know that um, Mm. because this isn't really well i say it's not my cup of tea i've never played enough of the arcade to really know so i'm going by what i played in the c64 version and i could imagine two players on the screen as long as you could differentiate how you were you know visualized i think you'd probably get they probably get more out of that by shooting and you know covering for each other and i imagine yeah. there's, there's modes of play that would work in a simultaneous environment for this that simply are not here which is disappointing and problematic because i think the difficulty is relying on that mm-hmm. um, so yeah so like I said, Contra is not an arcade I know much about or have played a great deal of. I think there's enough of the arcade here for fans, I think, 
it looked to me like it was anyway. It's a, it's I think it's massively hampered by that control problem. Um, it's control mechanics and its difficulty are uh, it, you know they they're linked here. The game is very hard and it's difficult to control, which makes it twice as hard. You can't really not die in this. It's next to impossible. And to make it through the first levels, I don't know how you'd really get through any of all of those levels, the various scenes. Um, I mean, I made it through the first one by, I think by blind luck, really. But the second one, I was just wiped out in seconds. There was yeah. no chance I was going to be able to shoot out the little blocks because you have to sort of shoot. The first one you have left to right green beret style, you have to just get the end, shoot through the door and get in. That in itself is next to impossible because there's so many enemies shooting bullets at you and they're really hard to avoid. Um, then when you get to that, you've got this sort of you know 3D view and you've got to shoot the kind of barrier things and also shoot the particular blocks. Yeah, it's, it's like um, Zybot. You remember Zybot? Yes, yes, yeah. And that's very, very difficult to do because again, you're getting these grenades thrown at you and they are such a pain. And the collision with the grenades is a bit odd because if you run into the explosion, obviously it still kills you, but it just feels this. It just feels too difficult, um, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's not. It's not a game that you go. I mean, even when you restart, you do start where you left off, obviously, but you're not going to last very long. I think is the problem with this. And I didn't find much use for the extra weapons when I had them. I found them pretty disabling, actually. They weren't really that great. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a very hard game. It's very hard to control. The arcade version of Contra consists of seven stages. The number of stages and levels structures vary in perhaps later versions. I think because this obviously this is across umpteen different consoles and variations of stuff. I think they're mostly present in this C64 version. I don't know if they'd be a lot shorter, and I don't know how much is in those in the arcade that's not in the C64. I don't know. I've not played enough of the arcade to know. But by process of the volume of levels, as in all the different scenes inside of the game, I think there's, what, six, six, six and seven in the Commodore 64 version? I'm not sure, 100% sure, but either way, you're never going to get... I certainly never got through anywhere near getting through any of those. Mm-hmm. So what I encountered was a very difficult game with very problematic controls. It looks, if you ask me, pretty good from the surface, but there's a lot going on and some of the finer details seem missing. I think there was loading in there as well, which felt a little bit hindered. I don't know if that's a thing of this version because it was kind of had a save save um, score thing on it. I don't know if that's been added yeah, or yeah. whatever. But add to, the, add to the control issues that you have and the sort of busyness and the general volume of death that you're going to get through. The idea of the two players being missing and it's, and, you know, it's, play, it's alternate play is a hindrance for this because I think, I think the game, without playing the arcade, I think it must have been based around a two-player co-op. And because it doesn't have a two-player co-op here, it's too hard. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can handle that difficulty, if that's something you dig, if you're into that, because this is rock hard, it's pretty decent graphically and it's quite a, you know, a packed shooter run and gun with a bit of variety in there for those that want to try that um, it was 8.95 so it's not quite full price i don't know i think there's a there's a group of people that would enjoy this i think there's an, probably enough there for them and is it good value for money well you're getting a fair chunk of game for your money i don't know how much of that you're going to get through but that space bar jumping thing do better controls because i think that's just a bit naff the fire button should have been used and they've perhaps done it better grain break control better than this and that has now that has all of that going on so i don't know what did you think? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, coming on the back of some decent-ish arcade conversions, and I think this probably has more in common with something like Rolling Thunder. Um, I mean, it's a run, yeah, run and gun, I think isn't it? So. And yeah, it's and you run, jump run up and down gun and... on different, different levels. That managed it. I know in Rolling Thunder you can't shoot up and down, so I can kind of see they wanted to keep the being able to shoot up and down, but I don't know. And obviously we've just played the excellent Alien Syndrome you know, I, can't, I don't know what was, you know, this is 86%. I was thinking, okay, I don't really remember much of the C64 version. 
So I went into this a bit blind. Um, yeah, so I was expecting to be okay. I mean, okay, it's got 86%. I don't remember it very well. I mean, it's okay. It's it's all right. It plays, it looks nice, and it feels fast and everything, and it scrolls nicely. Um, just until you need to control it. Mapping jump to space bars, it just doesn't work. It just does not work in a game like this. Um, we'll actually speak about a game at the end of this part, the sort of thing where there's a, there's a device which may have... Ha- helped somewhat but we'll come to that later i was thinking about what what they could have done and i think i would have preferred like a if you held down fire that was started your shooting and then you're holding down fire then you can move up or down to do the angled shots and then you let go of fire and you pressed up whilst not shooting to jump and you pressed up and fire to do the jump through levels i mean that's what would have probably worked maybe i don't know maybe like you know it's like we said with sidearms don't know isn't it you've got one button and things but it just didn't work it's too fast and you need to be able to jump around quite a lot to not be able to do that that's just no you can't do it and so because of that it's too hard it's way too hard because you can't control it properly you just having to you know hit a space bar looking at that takes your attention away from the screen so you're usually a bullet aiming at your head and you're dead i mean alien syndrome suffered from that a little because of the scrolling and that affected the difficulty a bit but here not too much the implemented controls are just far more egregious and ill-suited it's a shame though as the running gun action is fast and frantic and had this control better, I would have probably really liked it, but it just didn't work for me. I preferred Rolling Thunder, as problematic as that was and a bit slow and sluggish. I enjoyed that more. I got more from that because I could control it better and I could get better at it. This, I never felt like I was getting any better at it because of that having to press the spacebar. It just didn't work. So I came away a bit disappointed. I do remember the one version I did, I played quite a lot of this because my friend had it, was back on the Amstrad and it's better. It's flick screen, which is a bit of a pain, but it's really, it looks looks excellent. The Amstrad version was a real looker, um, really nice graphics in the Amstrad version and but played pretty well, I seem to remember. This was, it's it's okay, but that, that control system just, in a game this fast and this twitchy, you've got to have controls at your fingertips so if you played it on keys i guess and you could remap them and you were good with keys you'd be all right but with a joystick it just doesn't work bit of a shame but there you go obviously zap saw through it or got through it or had to had their foot on a keyboard or something maybe for jumping but i don't think it works very well as it is yeah that's what i thought <laughs> fair enough yeah no i've got no, i've got no more to add i agree yeah. it's a shame really it could be it could have been so much better i think so but there you go Grizer, there you go Grizer or contra that's that one let's move into our next one we've got three left And the next one is a budget title. Uh, it's only got 39%. It's three quid. This is Wheelies. Wheelies. Never heard of this. Never in my life had I ever heard of this. So Wheelies. Eugene and Tarkus. <laughs> Two wheeled balls, which <laughs> led me to the question, why do balls need wheels? Mm. They're already round. I mean, I suppose it stops the face rolling on the floor, but I don't know. They've lost all their friends. They've lost all their friends. It's not, not because they're assholes or anything. Uh, no, their friends have been kidnapped and they're now lay scattered across seven levels. Um, and so either working alone or together, you have to make your way across these worlds and rescue them. Sounds very similar in to hyperspacing around until your ship got broken apart. This plot of like people have just gone missing and go find them. It's just a thing, in it? It's another budget title. This comes from Micro Selection Plus. You ever heard of them? Never heard no, of them in my no, life. Who the hell no, are Micro Selection Plus? MC, MSP. Um, this was coded by Carl Coffey. Interesting, around some interesting facts around Carl Coffey or some things. It's the only game released uh, that I could find credited to him, but there are several entries on games that weren't under his name um, and an interview with him as well, including something called Flock, Hobie Joe. <laughs> Sounds crazy. <laughs> Master Blaster. And there's a demo version of a game which will come out called Soldier of Light. There's an interview on there with him as well. And he says he got out of coding to go and play in a prog rock band. 
and get a job that paid on time. So there you go. You got out yeah. making C six twelve games. The prog rock band makes a lot of sense when you consider the uh, plot to wheelies. But there you go. The game loads up, and we have a slightly odd Spectrum esque title screen. It's really weird. Kind of a high res Spectrum look to it. It's odd, but it's odd because this only ever came out on the C sixty four. There is no Spectrum version of this. There are also eight sprites moving around a circle for some reason. I don't know why. They're just there, and you can play this in one or two players. Just press the button on either joystick. Once you've done that, you have to select which level you wish to enter. Uh, each one is represented, so seven levels. Each one is represented by a different coloured wheelie sprite that is kind of like a ball with wheels You can and a face. You can imagine what that looks like. The higher the level, I thought it was the higher the level, the more wheelies you have to rescue, but it's not because some of the higher levels have less wheelies to rescue. So I don't know what the the different... I think it's maybe the difficulty. They get more difficult, it's more enemies probably. We then get a short intermission screen, which is the only place where you can see your score, which is kind of odd. Again, weird. Yeah, and the, then the game happens, and at this point, you may be struck by a certain similarity this has to certain to a certain simulation or not simulation uh, creation tool we looked at some time back. But we'll we'll get to that in a bit. The game takes place on a full screen, and there are some icons on the bottom. Two potion bottles. There are, these are two potion bottles, which represent each player's energy. And both will appear irrespective of whether you play in one or two player mode. Uh, and that's it. There's no other UIs, no scores, no anything. That's it. This is a vertical scrolling push shooter. So as you make your way through the levels, looking for the wheelies and trying to make it to the end, essentially. So you're just pushing upwards. Um, as you progress, enemies will appear and move on a prescribed path. And at this point, this is starting to feel awfully familiar uh, in style and feel. Um, or there'll be turrets spewing bullets. Contact with anything sees you die. But as long as you have some energy left in your potion bottle, you will respawn. Problem is that the bottle depletes very quickly. So you can have loads of lives or one, depending on when you get hit. So your bottle is depleting, you get hit, you lose a bit. If you just keep going and keep going, you don't get hit. Your bottle depletes, you get hit, you died. It just feels arbitrary and weird and an odd system. Um, you can collect mushrooms, which will top up the bottle. All this and the prog rock thing is tying together in it, which will top up the bottle a little, or red potions, which will top it up completely. But then you're just watching dismay as it just empties once again quickly. And, and, and that's it. That's it, really. You move through levels, you collect wheelies, which are your friends. They look like you. They're balls on wheels that you try and survive. You can try the levels as often as you like which is odd, as it's just a push through a level. So you should collect all the wheelies on one pass. I don't know why you wouldn't. So it's weird that you can go back to them. But it is nice that you can attempt them in any order, I suppose. The graphics are chunky, consist of a weird assortment of sprites and enemies. But just right at the start of level one, did, you must have seen it. There's a really weird giant demon type thing for no discernible reason. <laughs> yeah. Just comes on, moves around a bit, then wanders off. Like, what were you? What was that? The sounds are also very familiar, and the music is neither here nor there. So, why is this all sounding familiar? Anyway, so it seems that this is a repurposed shoot 'em up construction kit game, and it shows. Zap actually state, I think it's Julian Rignall, states that large parts of the code are just nicked from a shoot 'em up construction kit and, and had been used, uh, you know, uncredited, which is a bit on the shady side, I think. I don't know the full ins and outs of this, but it is clearly based on Shook. It looks and plays like a Shook game aside from the title screen and the intermission screen. So whatever the truth, there is definitely some Shook DNA in here. It just feels it the way that, um, the, you know, the, you could, I could, when I was looking at it, I was like, yeah, you've moved those sprites on a path. I can see the path that you've moved them on and how you program um, enemy sprites and stuff in Shook. It's all, it just looks like it. That aside, it's not terrible. The health loss mechanic is annoying. The game would have been better without it, but then probably too easy. So it's just a bit meh. 
all told. It's neither bad nor good. It kind of just is. I still don't know why the balls need wheels, though. So I don't know. Like I said, it makes no sense. But I now have to consider my love of Chorlton and the wheelies as well, because um, they had because it reminded me that they were balls on wheels. So I guess it's so that they don't roll on their faces, as I said, which kind of does make sense when I think about it. But there you go. This was just a bit non-entity. It's just a weird sort of thing where it's just bright and noisy and nothing really. It's a bit easy and there's a bit nothing to it. It's like a it's a suck game. It's but with some fancy sort of presentation additional bits around the edges there's not much more to it really three quid's a bit much though for a suit game um and i think 38 39 is probably about right because it's just you know it's just it's just a bit of a nothing this what do you think yes uh, <laughs> it's a strange old thing isn't it <laughs> the sounds from paradroid i think well which they, they come out of shook you can create them in shook That's yeah what I mean. right. so uh, it is i think it is a shield construction kit game but I like I quite like the base relief style of it. If it is all those things, okay. If it is, just say what it is. It did feel a bit like a weird cross between a bad druid clone and a crap Pac-Man. Um, <laughs> crap man, crap druid. Crap, um, <laughs> I don't know. The graphics were okay, like you say, but the sprites did look kind of shoot muppy construction-y. Um, I thought the enemies lacked imagination. The maze designs are a bit dull as in, in the place, but uh, the collision is well off here and there as well, I noticed, uh, yeah. which is a bit problematic. There was one say. There was one uh, wheelie I couldn't rescue. Yeah. Sometimes you fall so, foul of the backgrounds as well. They kind of get in the way of you, so there's a bit snagging. And you move a bit too fast as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. And it's just it's some nice bits in it, front-end-wise, lots of demo-y type sinus, sprite sinuses spinning around in circles and things, all very clever, I suppose. Yeah. bit basic, but for three quid, it's entertaining enough, I suppose. Maybe just about charming enough, but it is a bit dull. I don't see much point, com- much enjoyment coming from it. And, you know, just get the shooting construction kit for the few extra pounds and make your own. Yes, um, you exactly. Have fun doing that. So I don't know. It is just not great, is it? Um, it's you know if it is a shooting construction kit game it's not a very good one and if it isn't no. then it looks like one and it's still not a very good one so no it's no. not very it's not a very good budget game this it's a bit bit naff bit bit crappy yeah there we go that's wheelies wheelies strange tell you went and made pro rock it's not really good move along uh. <laughs> so the game based on everyone's favorite rip-off jewelry pandora <laughs> the idea of semi-precious stones always makes me like semi-precious stones are they diamonds they're semi-precious semi-precious stones. Stones. they grow diamonds they do. They grow their own diamonds. Anyway, so this is Pandora, eight ninety five, sixty percent in Zap Firebird. This produced mm. by PSI Software Design, Sci Software Design's title screen, Paul Doherty Doc, and the musician here is Rob Hubeld. Mm. Um, first thing I want to note here is that the C sixty four game box carries screen grabs of the Atari ST version, which I think is a dirty rotten trick. Sorry, yeah. but it is. That stinks like a Parisian sewer. Sorry, <laughs> sorry if you live in Paris. Bob winner, Win Bobner. Win Bobners. It's things like Win Bobner's underpants, that. Not good. <laughs> anyway, to this game. The generation ship Pandora has been set to infect the Earth with a nasty spore of deadly flowers. You have to stop the ship with the help of all the people on board that are still alive. The only person that can stop the ship is you. When you arrive, you have to get the ID from the entry officer or else you get 
killed. It took me ages to figure that out, by the way. Um, uh-huh. The time limit to destroy the ship before it begins infesting the Earth with spores is 999 seconds. Actually, I thought it was measured in miles. In the, in the Zap description, this is a 200-year-old spaceship that's gone apeshit. That, that's, I'm sort of paraphrasing, really, there. You're part of an intergalactic salvage operation to investigate Pandora and see what on Earth is going on. You must scoot around the deck looking over dead crew members and other things, finding clues and other items in order to piece together what's happening, all while the Pandora slowly makes its way towards the Earth on its impact mission to infest us all with dirty, dirty spores. Dirty, horrible spores they are. Horrible. Um, So you can interact with other characters, uh, move around and talk to, trade, otherwise fight and do stuff. The game controls from a top-down view with a top top third of the screen looking like a cross between the walking around parts of Parallax and Paradroid combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. bottom is the display, which gives you the information about what you are holding or have found, what characters you are interacting with, and your status, which can go from mighty to dire. Strange names. Yeah. Also, there's the ever-ticking countdown to the Earth. Earth, Earth. It's all a bit vague, this. There's not a lot to go on with the instructions. The instructions don't give a lot away. You need to invest some time in this wandering around and... Go- sort of going about and i think under the hood there's quite a nice game idea here albeit it's a little bit wrapped up in convoluted nonsense clearly this uh, the graphic limited variant um this is the graphic limited variant of the atari st version because that has like people in it the sprites are actual people and this they're kind of more like robots i think it works better in the c64 version from what the screen grabs i've seen why not be bold and use those in your advertising? Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I quite liked the robot sensible style. I think it kind of worked in this. It felt, you know, felt like if you switched this to more modern game, you probably have a nice mobile game on your hand here. It would look, it sort of lends itself to that kind of mobile screen look and feel, that pixelated art that's very popular in many of those games. So you run around essentially interacting with the different characters. They'll sometimes have things that you want or you're looking for keys or they'll send you on little mini missions that you've got to go and find stuff for them. Generally, it's keys to things they want. Parts seem a bit messy and a bit. it's all a bit hard to read visually. Even though you're in a kind of a maze and you're sort of scooting about, there's just this stuff that's not quite, it doesn't quite well fit together. I can't explain it very well, but it just doesn't feel cohesive enough. I think it's because some of the things are a bit, the whole thing binding this together is a bit vague. No, okay, the mm-hmm. spaceship's on its way to Earth with some deadly spores and you've got so much time to to find stuff out but it's like look what have i got to find what have i got to do give me clear missions and goals and objectives for something like this and that's fine don't just sort of have me wandering around and you know go and find three keys i need three keys what for i don't know just just go and find the keys (laughs) stop asking complicated questions you so you end up doing that you can fight in this game and do stuff the fighting in the game is weird as well it's sort of i don't know i just it felt like the borrowed little bits of other games but they hadn't quite figured out that how it worked together in this game so you know the idea of challenging people and wandering around the decks of a big sort of spaceship that's very paradroidy and the idea of going into interrogating computers and finding things that's very parallaxy but two things together don't quite make a you know a great parallax paradroid combination they kind of don't quite work and i think it's lack it's lacking that really it's lacking that kind of glue that's you know, the narrative glue that may would have made it make sense I think perhaps they tried to make it too complicated and just draw it back a little bit. And and I don't know, maybe there's just something missing there. Or maybe it was just me. But I found myself trying to do things for the characters in the game, but nothing felt very fulfilling. Nothing felt like I was really getting anywhere in the game. It just felt like I was just wandering around a spaceship and, with a countdown. And there was this overwhelming feeling that if there wasn't much more to it, this was going to end up being quite a dull experience, even though it had the trimmings of something that could have been a lot better. I think the colours and the graphics really work here. It's a similar colour scheme to the 
alien syndrome in some ways, actually. And that kind of, some of the tonality, the light blues and some of the graphics were quite nice in there. I like quite like the bass relief sort of pseudo-paranoid sensible style. I think that worked pretty well. That could have worked really nicely in this game had they just created something that made sense with that. The sound's all right as well. These appropriate, you know, booms and bangs and whatnot. I put boobs and bags there, but it's booms and bangs. <laughs> um, what's going on there? Um, made the music, game more interesting. <laughs> the music is um, is Rob Hubbard's version of Brian Eno's prophecy theme from the 1984 film Dune. So you know, do 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 do. Oddly, the rest of that soundtrack was by the group Toto. Anyway, which is actually a really good soundtrack, just as an aside. Nothing to do with this this game. It does have a nice presentation, all said and done, and it's a it's a very explorative game, albeit that what you're exploring doesn't really seem to have much of a point. And I think that's my problem is that I was spending more time trying to figure out what I was doing as opposed to what to do. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nice idea, probably nice game design. Looks quite nice. I like the styling. You were going in the right direction with it, but it edges fairly quickly into sort of meaningless wandering, and that's not my favourite thing. With no clues to things, really vague clues, not much payoff for anything, and. Eventually, I got tired of that. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I think in a similar way that you felt with Impossible Mission, it all felt a mm-hmm. little bit for nothing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just sort of going around trying to figure stuff out. And I think, what what for? You know, I, how is this related to me stopping this ship from crashing into the earth? What Do I have to shut the engines off? Is there something I have to do? It just all felt a little bit like it didn't add up. So nice to look at, some nice details, good music as well. It's not the greatest Hubbard piece, but it's you know, it's not really Hubbard, is it? It's Brian Eno, and that's not a bad thing. But it's uh, it's just missing the essential chunks. It's a pricey old game for 60% worth of fun. So I think it would be one that you might need to uh, borrow off a mate, see what you think of it, and then you know either lambaste him for buying something crap or <laughs> applaud him for buying something great. It depends. You're either going back to him with a C90 in your hand going, give us a copy of that. Or you're going back with his tape on his own going, oh, you poor bugger. Um, do you want to trade a C90 for that? Um, <laughs> so that's what I thought about you. Yeah, I didn't like this. It's a mashup of some kind of adventure that looks like a knockoff paradroid. As you're wandering around a spaceship, searching dead bodies and getting to the most tedious and unsatisfying fight since Bob Winner. I hated those fights. Just this, this cloud yeah, of smoke and dull, you had to press the fire button when this bar went up. And I kept doing that. And then it just, I didn't, no. I, there was no feedback. There was no feedback that I was doing well. No. It was just odd. The first couple of times I tried this, I died instantly just because I moved. That's in, it, that's in, immediately yeah, going to put me off. Yeah. It's immediately going to put me off. I had to go to YouTube to go, what am I doing? Yeah. I, I so, noticed. I was like, oh. It's, it, it reminded me in a weird way of those um, Rod Pike adventure games because you've actually got to wait. <laughs> you have to wait, yeah. <laughs> this is the graphical representation of Rod Pike. I was waiting for the piffling bear. Oh, the piffling bear. Oh, the working. piffling security droid, piffling guy with the key. Oh, the agony of it all. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I thought the game had crashed. I thought somebody was, thought it was bugged or something, but no, you have to stand there and wait for someone to give you an ID and then watch them get zapped into atoms. You know, this is not the way to start a game. Why would I think I could not move? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, essentially, I mean, but it's very frustrating and you only get one life. And so death means you go back to the beginning and you're back to the title screen and you get that, you get that bit of screen come up going, oh, your rating is you are worthless and rubbish and useless. And it's like, you are not enamoring yourself to me, game. <laughs> You're annoying me and then calling me crap. Like, all right, okay. This is, you know, this this is not game design. One, This is bad game design. It's very frustrating. Um, yeah, so it didn't, you know, didn't make a great first impression. I did like the, the Hubbard piece. I didn't know it was Brian Eno, but it's got, it is nice. It's Hubbard. Beyond that, wandering's dull and uninteresting. Why are there so many corpses just lying about? Why does no one notice? Why is no one taking them away? That's well, well, smelly, it's, smelly it's, yeah, place. Why does no one do anything about that death fly? It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a death fly. To get rid of it. Get the raid. 
kind of kind of rage seems so like absolutely why is this a meandering wanderathon so boring yeah, i don't know we tragic. may never know the answers to these questions but i certainly did not make a quick book <laughs> from playing this tedious adventure that's for sure so are you going to say it or am i going to say it <laughs> go on you say it Pandora. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it really is. This was actually programmed by uh, Shahid Ahmed. We have spoken about Shahid Ahmed before. He did the. There's a really good article, a thing that he wrote about his entry into the thing because he did the C64 conversion of Jet Set Willy. Oh, that's um, right. We've called, and he also we've did about Chimera. Chimera. That's right. And he was going to say Chimera then. Chimera. Chimera. Converted nightshade. Yeah, Chimera. He, got, he was. Yeah, he was like about. <laughs> Really young, one, and he's asked to do Jet Set Willie. He said he could do it and blagged his way into it or something. Yeah, um, if I remember rightly. But yeah, so it's, this was this is one of his. Uh, but there you go. Chimera. Did he do that other one? That there was that. Oh yeah, I'm sure there was another one he did. Which was like a another one. He did the comic. He did the Commodore 64 conversion of the comic game. Oh God. <laughs> right. Something move on. Yeah, something called Nihilist, which I don't think we've ever seen. No. Faces of Han. Well, that was 1984. Nightshade as well. He did the conversion of Nightshade. Okay. There you go. Close but yeah, Pan, Pambora. Boring. Just boring. Just yeah. boring game. Nice, you yeah. know, nice looking feel though. Yeah, but lack of content or lack of like. I think you're right when you said that lack of feedback in what you're doing. Yeah. You don't feel like you're going anywhere, doing anything, or yeah. isn't any it's progress. Critical to a game like this, you need to be able to see where it's all heading. You need progress. Progress indication. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to you know, bang on about this or anything like that. I'd hate for people to think that we encourage students to make games like that um, because that's the last thing I would want to do, nor would I want to throw too many scatological references into anything. Well, if you go, if you go back to something like, just, just on this sort of thing about, if you go back to the, the ultimate Wanderathon that we liked is Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. But Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you know, that, that would be really boring, but you've got constant, you've just got those four bars going up. And it's as simple yep. as putting those in, that you're yep. constantly working your way towards 100%. Everything you do gives you a score. Or it gives you something up or down on those bars, whether it's, you know, the, the I can't remember what the four were, but everything's counting towards it. And so you're instantly, for everything you do, you're getting, you know, you get like when you find something, you're getting all that oral, yeah. visual, you know, game feedback. Feedback. And this doesn't yeah. have that. No. And that's what's missing. So it's not like we don't know what we're on about. Just, it's just not there. Like anyway, there you go. Uh, real, in this week's real life review, you'll be a. <laughs> We'll be uh, judging someone's life just like yours. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, but yeah, feedback, possibly maybe a giant, giant squid. squid. I think that's um, it. Pandora. <laughs> Let's move on. We've got one left. One <laughs> left. I'm sure it'll be exciting. Exciting. Echelon. It's got to be exciting with a name like Echelon. 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 Echelon, I think. Fourth Echelon. Uh, this is from Access. Ooh, Access. It's Bruce and Roger Garvey now. Um, and Ooh. US Gold. Really spe- comes Echelon. Our favourite type of game. A vector graphics-based combat exploration mashup on an open world. We love these. Wow. I'm sure we will love this too. This comes from the coding fingers of Brent Erickson and Roger and Bruce Carver. Now, strangely, this was not disc only, but let's face it, it should have been. <laughs> As I imagine, the tape version of this was a right pain in the ass to try and play or enjoy. It'd be a nightmare. Nightmare. So, um, um, this also came with a lipstick. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not a dog's lipstick, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, this would have been really good in Grisor. According yeah. to the hefty 76 page manual, the lipstick was some kind of, it's a, it's basically, it's a headset. headset yeah. It's a headset, yeah. It acted as a second joystick button because it gave you a mouthpiece. So you could allow you to blow or say any word you liked into it in order to fire your weapons in the game. The mm. words you could shout could be anything. It just needed a noise. 
And if I know anything about teens back in the day, if they had this, then I'm sure the words that they would, you know, would not have yes. been fire. Might have began with F, but it yeah, wouldn't have been fire. I think so. But, also, did you have to buy the buy that separate? Didn't you, you have to? Buy it was yeah, lipstick, tw- yeah. twenty dollars. I think. I don't think it was a. I'm not even sure if it's available in the UK. It Probably might be. Not. I don't know. Um, it could also. It could also. It also could not discern anything but sounds. So any sound you made would shoot. So you have to be deadly quiet when playing. So essentially, there was nothing. You'd never be able to play that. No, it's just some sound input device. So essentially, and you could use it on other games to to simulate Uh, pressing the space bar. Okay, so handy for Grizor because you could just jump, jump, jump. That's responsive. (laughs) You'd be endlessly chatting to yourself. Jump, 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 jump. Exactly. So yeah. Anyway, you could play with your lipstick. Get your lippy on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This takes place on the planet Isis, uh, which is the recently discovered 10th planet in the solar system sometime in the 21st century. It's actually 2096. Echelon, Echelon was established by the International Space Federation to stop attacks on shipping and mining operations by space pirates. As a top operative of Echelon, you have been assigned control of the 21st century's most advanced spacecraft, the C-104 light cruiser, codenamed Tomahawk. You've been stationed in Patrol Zone 106, and it's your job to fly daily missions to root out the space pirates and find special artifacts that will lead to the space pirate stronghold, and I guess destroy them once and for all. After a not-too-lengthy loading section, you end up watching your craft appear from behind some big doors and rising ever so slightly, oh, ever so slightly, to reveal the word echelon. Quite nice, I guess. Looks all right. Then it gets you into the game, asks you for your name, and you're met with a screen full of numbers and readout. The game itself controls um, controls has two different modes of play. You can just play this as a flight simulation and just fly about, landing where you want, and so on. Or you can play an arcade action, which introduces enemy aircraft. Um, and this mode has six levels of difficulty, varying from easy enemies to hard enemies, as you would no doubt expect. There are also three different classifications for your craft. Scientific, which is simply flying about without engaging enemies. Patrol, which offers mild resistance from enemies. And military which gives you non-stop enemy attack you can chop and change these as you see fit on the fly at any point in the game so i suppose that's quite a nice touch there's a lot of options here and you play it kind of as you want the zone you are exploring is massive it's 840 kilometers square (laughs) that's the size of this that silence is the oh my lord (laughs) yeah 840 kilometers square i don't know what that works out if you work it out this is split into six sub zones sub zones being (laughs) a studio the studio being (laughs) each one of those being 140 kilometers square these are then divided into 14 sub zones again of 10 kilometers square so this is a massive area to go and fly about in all right so that's that's this game world your main screen is split into a view of the outside world which takes up most of the top part of the screen and then there are numerous readers around it which tell you your current speed what weapon you have equipped whether you're controlling the craft or the rpv which i'll get to in a bit your coordinates the altitude your shield level fuel the vertical speed your pitch indicator your heading so on and so on there's all your typical things you'd want from a flight simulator. they're all here after all this your window into the world which is kind of takes up the top half of the screen but it's surrounded also by dials and radars readouts and stuff so it's not fully you know, it's not fully top half. It's, you know, because vectors and, you know, it shows a launch bay. Uh, and if you hold fire and press forward, this increases your speed. Holding fire and pulling back decreases your speed. So fire button is not how you fire your buttons. It's actually pressing F on the fire on the keyboard if you don't have a lipstick. If it's your lipstick, you just can shout, shoot, 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 fire, fire, shoot, or whatever you want. Up to you. Bum, <laughs> poo, 
Ask. Just shoot whatever you want. Shoot whatever you want. <laughs> Just shoot a little fire. Yeah. So you you off you you know you speed up and away you go out the uh, main tube and into the game world and that's where the same issue that dogs all these games arises. Once outside, you are met with a series of blue grids for the ground on a black background. There's a horizon line. There are some red shapes for things on the land, you know, some vector lines, mm-hmm. be they mountains or stuff. And there's some yellow lines. I presume they're roads. I don't know. You can fly about. You can try and launch your RPV, which is a remote piloted vehicle. And this can be used to control yourself like a remote control plane. You can see it from the viewpoint of that. Uh, but I could never get it launched. She said, no, you can't launch it here. Like, why can't I launch it? I want to launch it. But you know, you've got 840 square kilometers to wander about in, and the aim is to find 240 artifacts. Reminded me of that one we played ages ago, that Explorer, uh, which just oh, you know, too big, too big, and not yeah. enough. So you're going to be doing a lot of not very much as you wander about. There's some stuff to fight and some bits to fly around and have some combat with but there's no i'm not doubting the depth here the big old manual of 76 pages goes into it's got a whole timeline about the discovery of the 10th planet how we got there the setup of the isf how we somehow got into a war with the alphans an alien race that i mentioned and so on and then we got into a treaty with them and truce and it was all fine but they're not actually in this game it's space pirates so i don't know what the alphans have to do with anything so you know who knows there's loads of clues and stuff there's loads of pages at the back where you can fill in notes and things and find stuff out interesting stuff noted but it's all for naught when you're greeted with what is a load of slow moving blue red and yellow lines on a black background and a game that takes it takes a while to react to your inputs as well meaning you overcompensate all the bloody time because the refresh rate is just not fast enough from a technical standpoint yes this is pretty impressive um it got 81 percent, but it's dull and it's laborious to play even the zap reviewers were split two to one on this only jazz rignall was positive about this he said oh it's brilliant really do the two uh, paul glancy and gordon houghton they were like eh it looks nice and the idea is good and everything like that, but once you start playing, it's slow and boring and dull. And they're not wrong. You know, they're seeing through this nonsense. This machine is not there. This is this where I land. I applaud the ambition. Fair enough. You know, the access guys are good guys. They've done some great stuff, you know, leaderboards and your beachheads and that kind of stuff. Here, they've just bitten off more than two. The C64 is not the machine for this kind of thing. We've said it before, and here we are saying it once again. These vector graphic things just do not work properly on the C64. It's too slow. It's not powerful enough. You have to fill in so many blanks that it just becomes not worth it. So no, I can't recommend Echelon. I didn't enjoy it, and maybe I'm biased, but I'm biased because I do not like these kind of games, and I would never recommend money my students make something like this. What about you, Graham? <laughs> I wouldn't recommend your students make anything like this. No, I wouldn't either. Um, I had initially had a bit of trouble getting it to work, I think. I had a good read of the manual, a very in-depth manual. I read it all, cover to cover, end to end, the whole thing, <laughs> make sure that you're fully aware of the time I took to read the full manual. Yeah, I did as well. Including the keyboard overlay, I read every key. <laughs> didn't help um, though. No, it didn't. It's very, it's, yeah, it's because it's an in-depth manual because these games demand an in-depth manual because yeah. it's a lot of complex stuff going on. Now, I have to divide this sort of review, if you like, into sort of two elements, really. The first is what I got to do in the game, which was not a great deal. And the second is what I then went to YouTube to watch a YouTuber sort of try the game and sort of see what I could vicariously pick out from that. Mm -hmm. Because I just didn't seem to be able to get very far into it. I don't, I think I actually did. I think I just entered, launched into the expanse of the game and, you know, the the game was out there somewhere. I'm sure it was. (laughs) The YouTuber Gans Teeth, which is the one I looked at for this, he actually completes the game. Um, it, wow. In, he said it took him two weeks and over 40 plus hours of dedicated game time to actually hell. complete that. 
And because he had nothing better to do in lockdown, he said, so he may as well have a go at that. So that's how long it took. Two weeks of his life he took for that game. That's how long it took. I, that, that's, that's how long it took just to go from one place to another. So it's a really, it is a clearly a massive game. A very, you know, and I like the technical idea of it. I do. And it all looks good in its own way. As is always the case with these things, the UI looks all right. The intro bits and the screens in between, all good. But it's, the, it's just slow vector games aren't my thing. I'm sorry, but they're not. And I'm not going to be an apologist for it either. This isn't some revisionist review of looking at an 8-bit game in the modern context, having now played games that have, you know, filled poly 3D of a million polys and all the rest of it going, well, oh, look how crap that game looks. I'm afraid that isn't what's happening. And if you think that is the notion of how we, and how certainly how I approach these vector-based games on these 8-bit machines on the C64 specifically for this, then you're about as far away from how it actually is than you could possibly be. I actually try and play these games with a very fresh perspective. Some of them I've never even really played, but I can't get past what is presented to me. So I'm coming at this with a fresh perspective. I want these games to be good. I get that they're technical. I understand that the machine is an 8-bit machine and that it doesn't have you know, the graphical oomph to be able to push those polygons around the screen. But I'm sorry, that experience I have of that isn't enjoyable for me. And I get out there that there are people that really dig the mercenaries, the elites, the star gliders, the echelons, the umpteen variations of this this game type i get it some people have that patience so and i get i totally understand that some people can sit there and like that gan's teeth and you know amazing youtuber spent two weeks of his life exploring all of that game and i you know okay that's a dedication to this i simply i i can't do that because i don't like that kind of game but i'm like i say i'm not going to be an apologist for this i am not coming into these on a i hate all vector games on the c64 and if you think that's the case that's not true but you don't like, and just to sort of say, on top of that, you 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 don't even modern open world games. They're not your bag. No, no they're not at all. I don't. You don't, I don't like. You don't, don't like, like GTA's. Them. You don't like the Assassin's nope. Creed. You don't like you know anything elite, no. dangerous. That's not your thing. So it's no. not like it's the visuals. It's the game style. No, and I and I've tried with them. I've tried dipping and out of these games. You know, the last one I really got a really good go at. I even bought Elite Dangerous on the Xbox One. Um, but the one I last had a really go, a good go at was that was that sci-fi game that came out for the, I think that was on the Xbox One or the 360. It was all very sci-fi looking. It was something man's, No Man's Skies. Oh, No Man's no Sky. Man, yeah. I had a good go at No Man's Sky. I mean, that's the very dis- definition of a game where you're wandering around, just going from place to place, you know, in that, that early version. Anyway, yeah, just you know, landing on planets and just taking off and doing stuff, and I and I and I tried with that, and I really did try, but I just I just they're just not for me those kind of games. But more importantly, I do try and embrace these games to try and get that. But if it's going to take me two weeks to try and get from one place to another, either the this game is just not going to be for me. I think I'm just into more arcade style games, and that's just the way it is. So I'm not going to berate this game for not for being because we never do. I'm never sitting there and go the game's crap and it's rubbish unless it actually is. I'll say that technically, as you've said, technically I get it. This isn't. It's an amazing thing to attempt. It's an ama- there's amazing code going on behind the scenes. I don't doubt all that vector maths and all that stuff pushing all those uh, vector lines and things around the screen. Amazing. And if you've got that to where one and a half FPS, well, you know, take yourself out for a beer, go out for a nice <laughs> meal with your wife or your significant other. Now, go and have a full evening of frankly brilliant entertainment because you've done something amazing. And, you know, hats off to you. I, you know, I tip my hat in your general direction. But unfortunately, 1.5 frames per second is simply too slow for me to enjoy a game. And I don't enjoy them. I don't enjoy juddering around these landscapes. I don't, 
I don't buy into the game. It, it completely bounces me out of them. So I'm happy for you if you like this. I, I am, and I'm, and this one's massive. So there's there's oodles of stuff for you. There's, you've got you know kilometers of space to go and explore in this. There's loads of empty space with you know with lines on it. Go and go go and find all the lines you want. Fill your boots with them. And there's a 78 page manual. You know while you're waiting to go from point A to point B, which will take two weeks, read the manual. You have got plenty of time. Go and read it. No, it's very in-depth. Go for it. Do all of those things. My aversion to these games is nothing new. This is a conversation Adrian and I have had throughout our entire friendship, which which spans a long time. I've never been, I'm not a convert. I've not said to Adrian when, when we were watch, playing some of these games back in the day, going, wow, you know, that mercenary is amazing. I told him it was crap then and I didn't like it. And I'm t- we well, agree that it's crap now. Exactly. <laughs> When we played Starglider, apart from the Amiga version, which made me go, wow, because of the Starglider music, I remember thinking, it's still, you know, it's faster vectors, but they're still not for me. And lo and behold, the, the C64 version slow and jerky. This is just another slow and jerky game. I don't like them. I'm sorry, but I don't. But if you do, good for you. So, yes, even with, I mean, add that technical thing, like you said, the lipstick. I mean, goodness me. You can't, why that? Just, you know, <laughs> why if you're going to call it, you're gonna call it advanced space fighter echelon sci-fi game, with you know, with a headset, call it something that sounds cool. You know, Dad, can I, I have know. the lipstick? What? You know, in the eighties, <laughs> that's a complicated conversation. You know, you're gonna you better have a good explanation, or you couldn't end up, you know, on the wrong side of your of your dad's slipper. The dog looks up expectantly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, purchasable items or no, this game. And it, well, the one thing I will say is, this is cheaper than the average game of this type. That's the one thing. It's not for me. These games are never going to be for me. It's probably for somebody, though. Well, I would say the playable version of this is a disc version. I wouldn't go with that nine ninety nine for the tape because each each zone is a separate load. Well, didn't it say when it came up? Is that this use this game uses a fast loader? Do you want to use the fast loader? Is your hard drive? Is your sorry floppy drive good oh, yeah. enough for the loader? <laughs> I was like, um, I don't know. Is it? I, was, I imagine on the modern, you know, on yeah, these modern was. machines. But yeah, it says yeah. on the tape version you have to find the zone so you have to rewind and forward your oh, tape and can stuff you to, imagine how that's what i mean yeah pain that would be in. yeah exactly oh just you know and how long that would take slow loading and just stick to golf games bruce for god's sake don't venture into <laughs> space there was no need for that <laughs> space golf oh, more like space golf spolf go and play spolf <laughs> but don't no no yeah. less yeah, I mean, I did enjoy reading the manual, but not the game. Well, the was just, game. wasn't it just more lofty sci-fi guff? It's just, to, just write, to, write a book. Yeah, just write a book. Yeah, and I mean the and the UI was was the UI not the most leaderboard covered spaceship you've ever seen? They also called the, what's your spaceship called? <laughs> leaderboard one. All right, okay, it kind of makes sense, you know. This typeface it, looks very familiar in there. Looks very familiar in that the speed going up and down sort of thing was like the, <laughs> yeah, uh, the snap on it. Was, it was totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much yeah. so. Oh, there we go. There's a hell on. Uh, technically clever, but, you know, it's just not. not How many times us. have we said that, though? It's like technically clever, but not for us. Technically clever, but not for us. Just accept the fact that we don't like vector games and move on with your life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The machine's not built for it. No, eight it wasn't. Hard, eight, eight hardware sprites of the Vic 2 chip. It's just, just what it's, it's built for arcade stuff. They wanted it to do complex vector based mathematics. They'd have put a vector chip in it called the vector chip. Yeah. But they didn't. <laughs> so yeah. just accept that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And there you go. On that note, um, that's uh, that's it. We've looked at seven games. Uh, what have we looked at? We looked at Alien Syndrome, which we liked. Probably the pick of the episode, I would yeah. say. 
I think so. By, by, by a country mile, probably. Then we had uh, Win Bobner, which was probably the worst, <laughs> worst, worst, another worst of the thing we've seen. It ain't ages. good. It ain't good. Scout, which was had problematic, problematic, nice, nice window dressing, but bad gameplay. Grizor, which was crippled by its control method. Wheelies, which was a shut game under the hill. Crippled Pandora. by its uh, game method. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pandora, which is Pandora when it came down to it, which is yeah. a bit dull. And Echelon, which was technically clever, but ultimately, no, no. These games don't work. And that's it. That's it for this week. We've got one more set of games to come uh, for June 1988. They come next week. We'll be looking at Draconis. Mm. Um, it's a budget game. I don't know. Micro League Wrestling. It's expensive, that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Road Warrior. Oh. We just want a good score. I don't think we're going to get one. <laughs> I don't think we are. Lord Humongous is not going to be pleased with that, let me tell you. No. What do you mean you only got 13%? <laughs> <laughs> we're not uh then we've got guts we have uh, we've got guts uh venom strikes back it's not a mask game uh, no. stop it uh gothic so oh, no. is that based on the one... film no it's based on the crap vote we saw last month oh god with the, with the, with the, with the uh oversized viking helmets and shaved oh, legs god, that one oh, <laughs> the veet and, the veet vikings and the, the gorilla the veet the vikings and the, the gorilla yeah. gorilla in the midst yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, North Star, which I have no idea about. No. Um, and finally, round off another arcade conversion, Target Renegade. Well, Target Renegade is not an arcade conversion, though, is it? Oh, no, I'm not sure. No, maybe it's not. It's a, it's a sequel to the arcade. It's a, it's a sequel to the arcade, but it was only a sort of computer game version only, wasn't it? it was yeah, there was a, th- there's a third Renegade as well, Renegade 3. Yeah, but it's not. none of them are arcades. They're just sequels they not? to the arcade. No, I think, I oh, think okay. I'm pretty sure they're only sort of home versions. We'll find out next week when we do some research on it and have a look. Mm. Because uh, we don't just make this shit up. Not always. Um, not always. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's it for this week. We've said our Patreon stuff at the beginning. It's been an interesting week, ups and downs, whatever. Yeah. Started good, started good, and then just went back to normal middle of this year with what it's been like. With Win Bobner. Win Bobner, you know. Bloody <laughs> hell, that, that category is going to be hard fought. So. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've got nothing much more to say, really. We'll be back next week. Have you got anything you want to add? No, just I think you're right. That category is, you know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to have the crap game, and then I think we're gonna have to have the crapo de tutti crapo, which would be like the <laughs> the, the crappiest of the crap, like the crap. ultimate crap. The crapo del tutti crap. Yeah, I like that. Ultra <laughs> so, crap, crapo. Yeah, so there'll be the crap award, and then there'll be the crapo de tutti crapo, like the winner of all crap. Because I think there's going to be so many, we're going to have to Maybe. sort of, you know, it's going to be a tough thought category. That I think it will. Anyway, but there we go. Right, so like I said, we'll be back next week. We've got all those games to come, uh, and I don't know if there's any crap words, I can't remember, uh, and see what's coming up for July as well. So uh, there you go. Right, I think that's about it. As ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to Win Bobner, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptoother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. 
Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.